no disrespect to him, but I feel like he was kind of the Karen of the CIA. <laughs> and that's what they call it. They called him the human rights guy. And, but, uh, but they put they put him through the ringer. They no? put him through the fucking ringer, yeah. And um, you know, he anything that was, you know, morally unjust, he sort of like spoke up right. and sort of called people out on it, which is why I call him the Karen of the CIA. Because I feel like if you're in the CIA, you should kind of expect that. Danny Jones. What's up, man? Welcome to New Jersey. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You're the first one having me that's had me on their show, like in a legit studio like this. Matt Cox hasn't had you on his show yet? I've been on his show, but he'd be recorded in my studio. Oh, I, so you were at least on it. I was on it, yeah. You I let was, him use the space for I, that. I let him use my studio. Yeah, he had me on his podcast, but in my studio. That's, I got to see that one. That's sick. <laughs> it's pretty good. Matt, and by the way, thank you for hooking up Matt and Andy Bustamante up here. Hell They're yeah. Both phenomenal. Those People are really sick like episodes. Super interesting guys. It's really funny how the world works sometimes, man, because I did not. I was not aware of your show until this is like maybe right after New Year's, something like that, and somebody pointed out concrete and was like hey have you heard of this can you check it out let me know what you think i yeah. said no actually let me go check it out so i turned on the I, it was the roger reeves one and i'm like holy shit this is fucking phenomenal mm -hmm. so i was a fan and then i don't know maybe like a month later you hit me up and i'm like oh that's that's weird yeah like something's happening here and then you know we hit it off so it's it's been great getting yeah. to know you and, and have a show to look up to because you've been doing this longer than i have and you're doing it Fucking amazing job, man. Well, thanks, man. That's exactly how I learned about you, through, through the comment section. That's it. A guy commented it. He's like, dude, you got to check out Julian Dory or get him on here. And That's so cool. Enough, I looked you up and that. I followed you on Twitter and... The rest is history. Next thing we know, we're playing golf together. That's that's it, man. And that was that was fun down there. Enjoyed that with the boys. That was super fun, man. You I really it. enjoyed that as well. Give me your glass, by the way. I'm really enjoying this uh, New Jersey neighborhood that we're in, the Soprano-esque <laughs> neighborhood that we're in. I feel like you're so into it. Like, you look at New Jerseyans as a science experiment. Yeah, it's definitely... It, it, it's just... Uh, all these memories of watching The Sopranos are flooding back to me right now. Now, did you watch that when it was originally on, or did you watch it after? No, I watched it after. Yeah. I wasn't into watching TV when that was on. That show, I mean, I'll defend it forever, is the best there ever was. But it just... It definitely started it, de it definitely started the whole genre of yes. like good serialized drama. Exactly. They were, they were really the place that legitimized it. They took the movies and brought them home to your TV, effectively. Mm -hmm. And they told the story... So fucking well, man. I mean, like, and you're, we'll get into it, but like, you know, your background is film and everything. And when you look at like the, even today, 20 years later, whatever it is, you Thank know, you. The, of course, the, the style and how they told the stories, the, the cinematography and even like the way, especially I'd say like the way they scored it with the music and everything, it's, it's mm -hmm. timeless. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing stuff like that. That's, that's really my, my calling is creating shit like that. Like I told you before, I was like super inspired by Breaking Bad. That's kind of like what gave me my style, yeah. my documentary style. And I think document. I think Breaking Bad was kind of inspired by Sopranos. Yes, because it was really like the second biggest show after The Sopranos was Breaking Bad that everyone talked about. Depends. I mean, a lot. A lot of people talk about The Wire too. Oh yeah, The Wire. I per never watched that. Person. Oh my god, you never seen that? No, I've never seen The Wire. You're a documentarian, and you've never seen The Wire. Mm -mm. Oh my God, are you in for it? That show is literally, it's a documentary. It's a show. It's a story. It's got actors, but it's the same shit. 
Like mm-hmm. they told the story so well in the style that they did. And it, it wasn't even like this crazy high budget thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all this fanfare. It was just, it was brilliant. But I mean, no matter what, Breaking Bad is just like another perfect show. It's, yeah. It was incredible. The job yeah. they did. Yeah. It was amazing. That show, that show really took it to the next level. And uh, especially like I told you before, like there's the cinematography in that show and the character development and you know regardless of what the story is regardless of the not even taking the, the writing into account just the, just the filmmaking part of it was fucking yeah. blew my mind and when did you get into that like filmmaking uh, i got i got into that when i was super young when i was probably 15 years old 14 years old maybe even younger just filming like skateboarding and surfing and shit with my friends mm. by the way cheers cheers i do that right appreciate you having me up here to joyzy of course man I've never said it like that in my life, mm. by the way. That's not how they say it? No. How do they say it? It's Jersey. Just Jersey. That's it. Just Jersey. Yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> I, you're, co- you're coming at me with some heat right now. I don't like it. <laughs> it's not heat. I'm just fun. I woke up to a text this morning that said, there's a lot of great characters on my flight to Philadelphia. A lot of gold jewelry going on. I'm like, okay. He chose violence. A lot, lot of gold chains. He chose violence this morning. I see what of, it is. A lot of wife beaters. A lot of tank tops. A lot of those. Yeah. It's just the way she goes. For sure. It's sometimes still- she comes. Sometimes she goes. There's styles. There's styles to it. But I'm sorry. I cut you off. You were saying you got into it when you were like 14 or 15. And yeah, yeah. Super you went young. full in. Yeah, yeah, just skateboarding and surfing shit. Like, me and my friends were just always, like, skating and surfing everywhere and filming each other and making little clips out of it. And then eventually I, gave, I became friends with uh, a couple of pro surfers that are from the same town as me. And, uh, and where are you from? Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. Which is, like, right next to Tampa. Right? S- yeah, straight shot west from Tampa, straight to the beach from Tampa, right, right south of Clearwater. And, um, yeah, just uh, became friends with those guys, a couple of pro surfers from the area, and um eventually their sponsors hired me to follow them around the world and shoot them like surfing and stuff and how make, old make were you? Sur- uh that time i was probably 18 maybe 18 wow ish. early wow. but i was also working construction <clears throat> i had a couple friends who had a a, a painting a commercial painting business and we were painting like condos and like new construction high rises and shit like that and uh, i was doing that and then whenever i would get like a like an offer to go like travel and film some crazy surfing shit i would go do that and then um that led to you know, shooting shit for ESPN and MTV and just being like a hired hand to film mm. content, shows, documentaries and stuff like that, like as a camera operator and producer as a young kid. Did you go to film school in there too? No, no. I wanted to, but I didn't get in. <laughs> no shit. Too, too much of an idiot. Yeah, You I didn't saw, get in? No, I didn't get in. I, I had really bad grades in high school. And, um, but what I would, about creatively? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My grades, I didn't pay attention to high school. I skipped a lot of school to go surf, just go surfing and do stupid shit with my friends. And um, hmm. I neglected my high school education. So for that reason, I couldn't get into – I wanted to go to UCF for film school, which is uh, University of Central Florida in Orlando. And I actually even got a letter of recommendation from one of their top graduates of all time. His name's Rob Cowie, and he was the guy who created – the Blair Witch Project. 
The Blair... Wait, I actually don't know. You never heard of the Blair Witch Project? No. Wow. What is that? The Blair Witch Project is the first found footage feature movie that ever came out. So have you ever heard of Paranormal Activity? Yes, that's that's like a full blown feature film. Yeah, so right. basically he was they, they were the, it was the first movie that was marketed as real life found footage. Mm. So it's like it was these kids that went out into the woods, they went camping and they found some fucking witchcraft shit and it killed them all. And then the footage was found. They found literally like the tapes. And somebody found the tapes and they were killed by witches. By witches, some sort of fucking crazy w- witchcraft, yeah. Where was this? Uh, I forget where it was. In the woods. Somewhere in America. Okay. All right, continue. <laughs> and uh, they found the footage, and then they cut it into a documentary, and they marketed it like, okay, we're going to – this is going to be – we're going to premiere this to the real world. But this is found footage of these college kids that all got murdered. We found their cameras, and we found their tapes, and fucking blew everyone's mind, and it made like hundreds of millions of dollars, and it only cost them 50 grand to make it. Really? Yeah. I got to see this. So wait. Wh- when was when was the alleged – Attack or whatever the fuck when it was. The movie came out. No, no, like they, when they were killed in the woods. I don't, I don't remember. I, I a think long time 90s, ago, or nineties, early nineties, maybe. And when did this come out? Like late two thousand, mid nineties, I think. Oh, it came out back then too. Yeah. So it's yeah, like I right so. after, maybe late nineties. I don't know. You would have to look it up. I can't remember. I I have to see this. But so it was one of the most successful movies of an alumni of UCF ever. Mm. So a fucking letter of recommendation from that guy is like a golden ticket. Sure. But still didn't get me in. <laughs> Danny Gray wasn't good enough. I was too much of an idiot. <laughs> so um, at that point, I was just kind of like, I kind of gave up all hope and just, you know, I was getting a couple jobs here and there filming for, I got a job when I was like 19 filming for ESPN in Puerto Rico for a bill fishing, marlin fishing tournament where... Uh, you know, all these fucking rich guys go out in their boats and they catch blue marlin and, and uh, mm. it's part of a TV show on ESPN. And I was like, I was the guy with the water housing. Because when I used to film surfing, I'd be in the water with the water housing. I put my video camera in this what, big like submarine. It's like this submarine looking thing, maybe like this big. You put your camera in it and then you can go in the, go in the ocean with it. Oh, is that like the thing you see the guys in, in the cage when they're shooting the sharks? Yep. And they're going, oh, mm-hmm. wow. Except yeah. not that giant. But I'll, um, I'll put that in the corner of the screen so people can see that. Yeah. So you, you bought one of those young then. Yeah. So I got one of those when I was super young because I was always in the I always liked getting, you know, footage of surfing from the water angle. So then obviously that was an easy way to get cool fishing footage of like bring, mm. bringing in the marlin into the boat. And there'd be times where I'd be like I they'd be pulling up a marlin into their boat and I'd jump overboard to shoot like them pulling the fish up and then like a giant shark would come maul the fucking the fish right behind the boat and I'm fucking I'm in the water just filming next it next to the shark yeah oh uh, no I'm filming out. I'm out sharks just mauling <laughs> these giant uh, marlin and sailfish and stuff it was insane now are you talking like bull sharks or what, what kind of sharks down there no no I think down there it's mainly tiger sharks um a lot of a lot of different reef sharks are down there um hmm. mako sharks they'll get you they'll get you Nothing like a great. There's no great whites or anything. Like the, there's a lot of hammerheads down in Florida where I'm at. Like a lot of hammerheads and bull sharks. Um, Luisa said he used to swim next to him in the canal in Miami when he was training as a heavyweight boxer. Oh, it's really? like his wife would would hit the his wife would be next to him in the boat, and whenever she hit the engines, he'd be like, "Oh fuck, there's a couple of sharks," and he'd have to jump back on the boat. But yeah. there's like, I mean, Florida's where you always hear about 
a significant number of shark attacks, but it's interesting because mm-hmm. there's not the great whites. Usually, if you ever hear about them, it's always in the summer and it's like up in Massachusetts. Mm. It's like not in California. Yeah, yeah, in exactly. Mexico. Yeah, way out there. No, yeah, I think the shark attack capital of the world's in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, which is a place that I go all the time. Where is it? New Smyrna Beach. It's right by Daytona Beach. Oh, on the East Coast. On the East Coast of Florida. Right. Yeah. But there's mm-hmm. a bunch of like little spinner sharks and black tip sharks and stuff like that. That'll people get bit almost every week there. That's not reassuring. Every weekend there. But there's there's not they're not like life threatening bites. You get like a couple stitches or <laughs> Yeah, see I'm I'm like I'm out on that. I, yeah. I went It's worth it, Julian. I haven't gone in the ocean in Florida since I was twelve years old because the last two times I went in I jumped over a bull shark and I was like, Nope. That's oh it. bull shark. No, fuck yeah. that. You yeah, we're not a bull shark. We're, we're, we're done with that. How did you jump over a bull shark? Well, it was a total... I, trust me, I wouldn't have jumped, but... Where were you? On the, like, you're jumping off a dock? I was on the East Coast, and I was just swimming in the ocean. The first time... At the beach. At the beach? The second time I jumped over it. The first time, it was, like, from me to that camera, from me. And I was... Pr- luckily, I wasn't far out. I was, like, 11 years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, it was, like, a little gully in a calm day. And got right in. It wasn't, I think it was like going after a fish. So I didn't even know I was there yet. Mm. But then the second time I heard my mom was back on the beach, maybe like a year or two later. I'm like, all right, I'll go in the ocean. It was kind of rough too. So I'm like, oh, they won't be out here. And I went out, I don't know how far, but it was somewhat far. And I was like waiting on a wave. And I just heard my mom yell and, and I turned around and she was going like this. I was like, okay, and then I don't know why, but I like turned back around to the wave, I guess, to check if the wave was like going to crash on me. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back around, I was a swimmer, so I would always be looking for like a bunny hop, like you'd go off a wall on a flip, something like that. And so I like bunny hopped, and as I did, I went up like into a into like a dive because I was like up to here, and the fucking fin goes right beneath my stomach. Oh shit! And I didn't touch it. I would have felt that, but I didn't touch it. And I got over that. I got in and said, "I'm never going in here again. <laughs> never, ever again in Florida. We're not doing it. It's over." Yeah, they won't fuck with you, really. There's a there's a crazy um, f- video in Miami of this woman like wading out into the like towards the sandbar. She must be like she must be like a hundred yards from shore, but it's still really shallow because it's low tide. And I think she's walking out towards the sandbar, and it shows like a hammerhead shark swimming right towards her and the person on the like 20th floor of this condo is filming it and all of a sudden the shark just starts torpedoing towards her and they're thinking like oh my god we're gonna watch this lady die and all of a sudden like when it's a foot or two feet from her it just turns around as a u-turn yeah i mean that's the thing like the chances technically despite what I'm saying about it with my attitude, the chances are always more on the side of they're not going to do anything. Yeah. That is true. Right. But it's like, they're out there every day. <laughs> like if you're they surfing, are, yeah. it's like, holy shit. Like, you go out there 50 straight days and like one out of the 50, it says like, oh, I think I'll take a bite. Yeah. There goes no, your leg. It, and it's the certain type of sharks too that usually will bite, like the bull sharks or the yeah. tiger sharks, the ones that'll eat anything. That was most always sharks. the one I heard, the bull shark. Yeah, bull sharks. Bull sharks are crazy because they have the most testosterone out of any shark. That's why they're considered probably the deadliest shark. Mm. I had Manny Puig. You know who Manny Puig is? Is that the is that the cartel guy? No, no. He. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like Jackass or Wild Boys. Yeah, I have. So Manny Puig's the guy. He's the shark guy. He's the guy who like who like levitates alligators out of lakes and swims with every single yeah. fucking shark. Yeah. Looks like a looks like a Tarzan. He's got hair down here. I can't picture his face, but I can picture some of the skits. He's got kind of a weird uh, 
soft spoken Cuban accent. Mm. Um, anyways, he's crazy as fuck. He's got he's missing one finger from a rattlesnake that bit him. Oh, that's nice. But uh, I had him on my podcast. When we were talking about sharks. He swam with every single shark on the planet, and uh, he's been bit by sharks probably like fourteen times. <laughs> And he's been bitten by eight different species of sharks. Oh, he keeps track. Yeah. Nice. A- and uh, he said the one shark – guess what shark you think is the worst to get bit by? What were you, what were you guess? Great white, tiger shark, nurse or nurse shark? I mean, if I had known he was bitten by a great white, of course I'd say that just because it's like the biggest. But if great white aside, I would have said bull shark. He said the worst bite is from the worst. Obviously, he hasn't been bit by a great white. Yeah. But he said the worst bite that he got was from a nurse shark. I don't even know what that is. A nurse shark? A nurse shark. Yeah. Nurse sharks. Like a nurse? Like a woman? Yeah. It's called nurse. Yeah. N-U-R-S-E shark. It's one of the most docile sharks that it's like one of the most harmless sharks people. Yeah. I'm looking at People are least afraid of nurse sharks. I'll put it. I'll put it in the corner of the screen for. They kind of like hang out by the seafloor. They don't really come up. They don't swim. They're not pelagic. This thing. Yeah. It does. Like it looks like a catfish. Yeah. Does it have? Does it have like sharp teeth? I guess. In very there? very docile shark. People swim with them all the time in the Bahamas. Like you can go to places in the Bahamas and swim with like dozens of them. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this fucking guy. He's got one bite, and it's a baby, but he's got a bite in his arm. So he said the nurse shark was the worst bite ever. He said they have more jaw pressure. They have like five times more jaw pressure than a great white. How big do these fucking things get? They get they get probably 10, 12 feet. Well, that's sizable, but damn. But the thing is, they, they have so much <clears throat> jaw pressure. What they do is they'll bite on you, and they'll just drag you into the deep water, and you'll, there's nothing you can do about it. No, you're done. It's like I mean, that's like... I mean, they don't have giant, like, six-inch six razors in their mouth like a great white, which will just shred you. But they have that jaw pressure, and they can just drown you. So how did he get away? Uh, well, he every time he got bit, they just let go. They were just kind of, like, seeing what he was all about, like, trying to get a taste, you know? He wasn't trying to get – I mean, he does – so what he said is when he goes out and he films with sharks, he tries to get the sharks to eat him. Oh, that's, that, that's, that's smart. That's actually what he says. <laughs> wow. Sounds like a great idea. They chum up the water and get the sharks, you know, super aggressive, like they want to eat them. And then that's how they get the best footage for the shows that that he films with, which is fucking crazy. He's a a wild, he's a wild motherfucker. I got to see that one. And listen, I wish that guy well, but like at a funeral of someone like that, like, what do you say? Like he went out doing what he loved? (laughs) Like, like what's, what's the whole thing? Because it seems like you're, whenever I see guys like that or guys like climbing buildings without a harness on, you know, they're way up in the sky and shit like that. I'm like, I mean... Yeah. If if you're gone, it's like uh, I guess yeah. that's what you planned, right? Yeah, I guess no one's surprised, right? No. It's final though. But that would be the best way to go if you were one of those guys, right? You'd want to die doing what you love. Now that's an interesting take. Or maybe not. You know, I maybe. think a guy like him swimming with all those deadly sharks, you know, it'll he'll probably end up just going in his sleep. <laughs> that it's funny how that works. It is funny how that like works. Like the like the less it's almost like attracting the opposite vibe. Begging someone to kill you, but nah, nah. You just, mm-hmm. It's like you the opposite yourself. of Kobe Bryant, right? Like Kobe Bryant, that's something you would never fucking right. expect. That's a great point. Like your idol, someone that you worship, never picture them dying. Going down in a helicopter, like it makes no sense. You would, but you would totally expect Steve Irwin 
mm-hmm. to get stung by a stingray or by some, a something stingray. crazy, whatever it was, yeah. even though that was kind of nuts. Like when it happened, it's like, well, he does do some wild shit, but he was like, that's the thing. He was a lot more controlled than like this guy, you know, Steve wasn't in there like trying oh, to get yeah. a shark to bite him. No. Yeah. Steve was a lot more tame than Manny, but Steve, I mean, what are the chances that a stingray barb pierces your heart? Yeah, I think that's what – it was literally like a like a, uh, like a spear it, kind of, Yeah, right? I think it, it was a big-ass stingray, and the barb is like probably, what, eight inches long? The thing went right into his fucking heart. And you guys have those in Florida too, right? Oh, everywhere in Florida. Yeah, I just showed you a picture a second ago before we started. That was in Florida. Yeah, my buddy Tifu. Tifu. Yeah, he catches stingrays and sharks and shit in his boat. That's the great thing about where we live, man. There's so much, so much shit to do, like fishing, surfing, spearfishing, diving. Well, you know what? You actually, what I like about this is you scratched your itch getting into filmmaking at the beginning because, like, you love surfing and stuff. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I can film this too, make it look cool. Mm-hmm. But then later on, and we'll come back to like some of your career and stuff because I think that's really interesting how this ended up. But like, you ended up doing documentaries and and you're like. When you started to do your own and not just like stuff mm. that you were coming into a company and, and making them. It was like, well, let me just look in the backyard. I'll make, I'll make one like deckhands. Yeah. Looking Fucking, under rocks. That's it. And it's like you have a story like that, which, by the way, for people listening, if you haven't checked out Danny's channel, Concrete with a K, before the podcast, there was all kinds of feature films that you did, I guess, like 2016, 2017, 2018-ish, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And they're phenomenal and you just did this in your backyard in the case of like the decans example with just some guys who were these commercial fishermen who seemed like they were crazy dudes with interesting stories and who went to the 7-eleven and panhandled for alcohol and caught fish at some point during the day and you're like oh let's let's roll camera and then you get this amazing six-part series that has i mean it has so many layers to it from like a human study perspective and it was right there yeah right where you grew up it's fun. Wild how it happens. Wild how it turns out, man. But yeah, before that, I, way before that, I was working on like feature movies and stuff like that, like being a camera PA or a camera assistant or even a camera operator on like actual like feature movies for uh, mm. Warner Brothers. Well, what'd you do? Because you said you didn't get into film school. I didn't so, get into film school. And then no. you were in construction, but you stayed filming stuff. So how did you... Like, did you get a break where, you know, you went to MTV or something like that? Well, yeah. So I started filming those fishing tournaments for ESPN. Then I eventually started getting calls from, like, different – like, VH1 was one of them. MTV and VH1 mm. were two of them. Um, just to do – on like, like that was in, like, the reality show era when, right. when the reality shows were first taking off, um, the competition shows and all that. And I would get calls from those guys to come, like, be a camera operator on one show or one episode. And – that morphed into me actually developing concepts for TV shows, like developing pilots for shows. Mm. And um, were you writing? No, I wasn't writing. It was basically I was I had f- multiple friends who were involved in various businesses and ventures around the world. And one of my friends ended up, he had a pawn shop company. He owned a chain of pawn shops in the Caribbean. There was like 20 something pawn shops from all the way from the Bahamas through Cuba, Jamaica, Barbados, Antigua, Cayman islands. Just some dude from Florida, some kid. Yeah. My age. And he was basically just taking this little puddle jumper from Island to Island, managing all these pawn shops. And, a um, puddle jumper? Yeah, like a small, like like a little seaplane. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, it land in the water. Wait, how did you just wake up one day like, I'm going to own pawn shops in the Caribbean? Uh, like, that's well, really random. It was. It started with one pawn shop, and then um, it was an investor came in and said, like, do you want to expand this? And they expanded it into, and they bought tons of them, and their base was in the Cayman Islands, in Grand mm. Cayman. And then they bought a plane so they could make it easier to travel and manage everything. Um, ooh, these cloud lifters are crispy, man. I can't get over it. It's pretty um, good, right? It sounds so good. I need to get one of these. Um, anyways, so so me and him were sitting there talking one day, and I'm like, dude, this would be a fucking amazing show. Mm. So he convinced his invest the guy who invested in the company to pay us to develop a pilot to shop the show around. So we spent a couple of months doing that, like flying around with I, I hired a crew and we spent probably mm, two or three months on various islands filming. How many people did you have? We had a crew of probably one, two, three, like probably eight people. This is a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. Who, who funded it again? The, the, well, the people who invested in the pawn shop company funded the pilot. But when they funded it, were they saying like, you're allowed to go get a full crew and everything for yeah. it? Or, oh, yeah, they gave me okay. a full budget. So they weren't just like, go give us like, what, what do they call it? Um, when it's like, when you do like a fake trailer, you know what I mean? A pilot. No, no. There's a, a sizzle. Sizzle. That's it. It yeah. wasn't like you just going to get a sizzle. They're like, no, we no, actually, we actually shot like you would. We shot. Well, we did a sizzle, but we also filmed three episodes. So we had three episodes in the can. Wow. Yeah. So we shot. We shot enough for three episodes. Initially, we got that. We we developed the sizzle and we shot the sizzle all around to every single big production house there is. the The biggest one we shopped it to, which we had a couple meetings with, was the production company that sold duck dynasty mm. this was in like the heyday of duck dynasty when duck dynasty was like the biggest show on tv making all this money and it's all everyone was talking about we had dozens of meetings flew all around met with every production company every tv network and um it never went anywhere mm. and after all that time it was just so it was such a letdown to how many months are you talking here probably from concept to shooting and shopping it around, this whole process probably lasted two years. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Long time. Yeah. Super long time. That's how long it takes. It takes longer than that sometimes. But, yeah. But, um, yeah, man. Those TV networks, are, they're, they only operate based on what's good for their advertising. So... You could spend, you know, all this money, all this time. I mean, I, I wasn't the guy who dumped all my money into it. I just dumped all my time into it. I got paid for my time, but it's hard. It was, the TV industry is extremely difficult. You know, the whole gatekeeper mentality with the networks and the production companies. These production companies now, the way they work is they just they're just scouring the internet and scouring podcasts for content and locking people up in shopping agreements so they can sit up sit on the shelf for six months to a year because they have these relationships with these networks and they can go to these meetings every single month and the networks are saying, Hey, we you know, we got we got fuck we got Coca Cola and Goodyear. We wanna get some shows that mm -hmm. line up with these ab these new advertisers we got. So they're what do you got in this niche or this this category? And then the production company go back, Oh, we got, you know, twenty four shows on the shelf. We've been that we think will work for this, that we locked these people up in these agreements for six years ago or whatever. And uh, it works that way. So it's like a, it's like reverse engineered from advertising to content. It's not like what's good, what's interesting, what's 
amazing content. Let's go find advertisers for it. It's the opposite. Right. Which I learned the hard way um, with a lot of letdowns. And I basically duplicated that process with that pawn shop show probably three or four times before I just decided I'm going to take all this fucking shit and put it on YouTube myself. Oh, so wait, was that the genesis of something like Deccans? You were like, yes. Oh, let me start shooting this and then sell yep. the concept. Yeah. And then I did another show with a guy, uh, a big wow. guy in my town, big real estate investor. Same thing. Same exact process. Is that that Mallers guy? Yeah. Yeah, Mallers. So what were you doing there? So he was a real estate investor and he was just this fucking hilarious character and started filming commercials and advertising for his businesses and dude was a fucking character like he was like larry david in a 500 pound body <laughs> he was like larry david and Ter and tony soprano had a baby that's who he was is he still alive yeah he's still alive okay barely but he's still alive um worked on that show for a couple years at least two or three years before we started shopping it around that one we thought for sure that that thing's gonna get picked up we had a couple big production companies and a couple big we actually got greenlit by Spike TV for that oh, show. Wow. Like we went to the green light meeting. And that sounds right up their alley. Yeah. And the CEO uh, in the meeting, the CEO of Icom was there and he killed it because they were trying to go very like religious, Christian family friendly. At Spike TV? At Spike. Yeah. They had Come a whole, on. they had a whole rebrand right when we were doing this. No wonder I haven't heard of any, I mean, I don't watch TV anymore. Mm -hmm. So it, it's hard. It's hard for me to say this about any one person, but maybe that's a part of it. I haven't heard that name, like even on social media anywhere yeah. in a long time. Yeah, Spike was going through a rebrand right when we were pitching it, or right when they took it to Greenlight Meeting. God, that's Anyways, so, so and, I and took all that. Thing. I took all that, and I I, I re-edited I re-edited three years of content, repackaged it all for YouTube into episodes. He did a phenomenal job. And it job. fucking went off. Yeah. And that's what, that's the moment I realized is that I'm going to start just doing everything and publishing it independently. I mean, I look... I prefer seeing it that way because you don't get any of those people in suits who don't have a creative bone in their body in between mm. you to tell you how to optimize every single thing for, yeah. in this case, as you pointed out, advertisers, for example. Mm. But there's other things, too. There's all yeah. kinds of bullshit. You know, and you get to put out your vision and you get to sink or swim on it, period, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it worked out for you because it built it built your channel a big base, too. And then, you know, you gave yourself the flexibility. Like, I, I'm... I love how you built your channel where you had that and then you're like, you know what? I think I'll do a podcast and you could yeah. kind of like ease into it and be like, yeah, this is, this is what we're going to do. And of mm. course there's some people who are like, okay, well now I don't like this channel anymore. I don't want a podcast. I'm not into that. Right. But then there's a lot of people who are like, oh, sick. This dude's doing a podcast now. Yeah. Great. And mm. now they already know you're a storyteller. So then they see someone come on and they're like, wow, that guy sounds interesting. Boom. They're in. Mm. Yeah. No, the podcast, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird thing too, because you get sick of doing shit as well. Like it's like, mm. look at YouTube. Every YouTube channel that's successful has is got one nit. They got one thing they stick yes. to for a long period of time. And it becomes successful. Yes. Me, I don't like doing the same thing for that long. Like any of these shows, I get sick of them after a while. Like I get sick of hanging out with, uh, fucking crackheads every weekend <laughs> for six months straight. It gets old. Yeah. You know, making a series about one thing gets old every once in a while. Or doing doing anything for that matter. I mean, I don't know if I'll fucking keep podcasting forever. Eventually, I might get sick of it and want to go back to editing, you know, crazy documentaries or short films or whatever it might be. I um, hope you do, by the way. I hope probably, I hope yeah. I, I don't want to see you stop the podcast because the thing I'll say on that is that the nice thing about it and it can be a curse. And I do understand this because 
you and I have similar interests and talk to a wide range of people, but like you don't necessarily have a niche there. The niche is podcast, but there's a million kinds of podcasts. That's not really a niche. It's like, okay, that's a type of content. Yeah. But then you're talking with Ben Mallers all the way to, you know, Larry Mazza. And then mm-hmm. you're talking to Sean Atwood, who's over in Europe and has a totally different story, or you're talking to fucking Matt Cox. You know, like right. you you go across the board. You're talking to all different types of people with, with in in different things. You have you've had guys on on the metaverse and stuff like that. So it keep like that whole that human thing we have of like chasing in some way, always needing some sort of new shiny object to chase. You have that built in, in my opinion, from the outside. To your podcast because you have to constantly be like, okay, well, this one's way different. Let's talk to this guy. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's the same is you know you can walk into the studio, the cameras are there, the mics are there, you turn them on, and you're going. Mm-hmm. The thing about doing the, the short films and the documentaries and even movies for that for that matter is that kind of content has some sort of like a – it has like a soul to it. Mm. It has like a vibe yeah. to it. Like there's a vibe. It's like what? Like my – the way I edit any sort of con like old content, whether it be documentaries or short films or whatever the fuck it is, commercials, I try to make them like music videos. Mm. You'll have something that you can take away from it and learn from it as well as enjoy the ride. It just carries you because of the way the mu- – because it's good music, insane-looking visuals combined with some sort of – educational content or something that you take away from it which this is not that way this is just just two people talking this is the most cut and dry type of content you could possibly create yes but the thing about it which is different is it's it makes you better at things like the most important thing i think to most people is probably communication there's probably nothing you could be better at other than communication because that can help you in pretty much every aspect of your life whether it be sales whatever the fuck it is convincing people of anything um and that's what i've gained the most from doing this podcast is the is gaining the ability to communicate with people different types of people and articulate shit Mm. which i've learned when i first started doing this that i didn't know the first i couldn't do to save my own life which is why I think now. you're perfect for podcasting because you're really good at that shit. You're a fucking great – you're Thank great you. at communicating. You're a great talker. You're great at talking to all kinds of people. And that's why I like listening to your podcast, Julian. I appreciate that, man. But seriously, like right back at you, it's – when I see some of your earliest stuff, like once I started go, going and looking, the improvement in how you are so quick to understand where someone's going before they get there is so noticeable. And there's a lot – like – I do this, so of course I'm listening for certain things because I'm always trying to see like, well, this guy's great. What makes him great? But like, even people that just are in the audience listening for entertainment, they're not thinking about that shit. They inherently notice that. You know, they see. I was talking with you about this earlier, but like, they can see when you have no hesitation towards very calmly but blatantly out of nowhere challenging someone on something. Mm. That's hard to do. That's really like. And I was talking about the Bustamante episode you did with him. The most recent one, you know, and that guy's a pro. I mean, he's obviously great at doing this and communicating and nothing really shakes him. But you really – there were a couple times in there where it was like you had no problem going, wait, no, how does that make any sense? And, you know, you're talking to a guy who was undercover in a serious place for years and years and years and years. He worked at the CIA. He's he's a galaxy brain and all this. But to be able to do that and then keep the flow going and keep great rapport – 
because it was very comfortable while it was going on too. That is very, very difficult. So you should give yourself a lot of credit for that because I would guess at the beginning of your podcast, that wasn't something that was as natural to you. You went from behind the camera to now also being on the camera. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was super difficult. It definitely didn't come naturally. It came from basically watching all my worst moments talking to people because now I can't edit out the dumb shit. You know what I mean? I can't just put the best stuff in there and then cut away to some music or some B-roll whenever I want. Right. But yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, it just came from watching how bad I sucked and figuring out how to make them better. And I think when you challenge people or try to come up with a argument against something that somebody's talking about, I think it makes the talking aspect more engaging for a casual listener. Absolutely. And it, it, you know, making something uncomfortable is such a weird line because it's great content. It is great content. But some people also are like, oh, I can't, I can't keep going. I can't listen to this. And it's a weird line, but also you don't want to. You think it turns some people off? Depends on which one it is mm-hmm. like i can think of ones that i've listened to of other podcasts where i'm like oh that was amazing mm-hmm. and other times where i'm like <laughs> i can't oh my god this is so uncomfortable i i remember there was there was an old rogan podcast this was years ago where some dude <laughs> started he started to say there was no such thing as a man or a woman <laughs> i mean it was an hour of that and joe was just like what <laughs> like over that makes no sense. Yeah. And I'm just – it probably went longer than that, but I, I'm like, I can't. I yeah. Can't, I can't. This is like – I have secondhand embarrassment <laughs> for everyone in this situation. So you felt bad for the guest. I think I felt bad for everybody. Yeah. I, but I, the guest was – I mean, I thought it was a pretty cold take from the guest. I feel yeah. pretty comfortable about the definition there. So yeah. I was like, okay. But there's other times where if you're like – if you want to argue with Andy over over privacy, like obviously – Guys like you and me, we're coming out on the opposite end of that. Right. But it's a healthy conversation. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. it's if you're it's uncomfortable if you're listening to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not you make it so that like you have no problem challenging to come at that. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in here, which is important to be able to get the communication across, it's good for the two of you. So then that ends up coming across, I think, to the listener. You do a really, really good job of that. Yeah, I try to I try to do as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, I still don't, I still don't agree with his point that he made about that, about the, the, the the, the whole analogy about, do you have, do you have kids? Do you tell your kids everything? It's different when there's, when there's laws and the whole creation of a state thing too. I've talked about that. I talked about that in that last podcast I did with, with, um, with Kerry Yaku and, and he came up with a pretty good argument against it. Oh, tell me about this guy, by the way. John Kerry I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah. What's the story there? Yeah, he's a fucking fascinating dude who's been banned on pretty much every social media platform except for Twitter. Um, and what's his background? If you are looking to add some hours, days, months, years to your life because maybe you're not sleeping too well every night and maybe you're waking up without enough energy to properly attack the day, you should check out my friends over at 8sleep. The 8sleep Pod Pro cover is one of the best things I've ever used in my life. It comes in queen or king sizes, in my case a queen, goes right on top of your current mattress, is wired directly into 8sleep's proprietary app where it measures your sleep stages and all kinds of sleep science stuff throughout the night to optimize your sleep around you. As I like to say, 
you'll wake up in the morning after sleep at six hours and feel like you slept eight. So if you use the link in my description, along with the code TRENDIFIER at checkout, that's T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, you will get $150 off your own eight sleep pod pro cover today. Once again, that is code TRENDIFIER, T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R. Make sure you use that and you get $150 off your own eight sleep pod pro pod pro covered i almost fucked that up pod pro cover today so check it out and he was in the cia for 15 years and he worked the cia they called him the human rights guy because when, when they <laughs> when they first came out with the enhanced interrogation program he was like asking them questions like they said you want to do this and uh he like was asking a bunch of questions about it and he went up he went up and talked to like his the guy who was in in charge of him, who was his boss. And he asked him questions like, why would you ask these questions? He's like, we're in the CIA. And because of that, because of him always asking questions, I feel like he was kind of, no disrespect to him, but I feel like he was kind of the Karen of the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they call it. They called him the human rights guy. And, but, uh, but they put, they put him through the ringer. They no? put him through the fucking ringer. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, anything that was, you know, morally unjust, he sort of like spoke up. Right. And sort of called people out on it, which is why I call him the Karen of the CIA, because I feel like if you're in the CIA, you should kind of expect that. But um, how far does it go? Though? How far does it go? That's the yeah. question. But he had a life. Ch- uh, Abu Zabeda, he caught Abu Zabeda. And Wait, he was on the actual he was like, there. guns drawn doing it? Oh, yeah. He w- well, he was, a couple, he was like a couple blocks away supervising the whole thing over radio. Okay. Right. When, when those guys were doing it. And then as soon as they shot those guys, at, well, they, they caught Abu Zabeda and the guy and the security guard he was ri- with at a safe house. He heard a bunch of shots fired when there were supposed to be no shots fired. So they, they hauled ass to the location. And Abu Zabeda and a security guard were laying on the ground bleeding out. Abu Zabeda was shot in the leg, the gut, and like the torso or something. Was this in Pakistan or Jordan? I don't remember. This was in, I think, Pakistan. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was Pakistan. It was like, I'm trying to remember it. I think maybe like number three at Al-Qaeda. Something that's like what that. they said. Yeah. That's, what the, that's what the CIA said, that he was like number three. But apparently he was a little bit farther down the totem pole than that. Got it. I'll put his picture in the corner. Pretty wild. Well, and he was one like. One more wild terrorist pictures of when, all time. When they. Yeah. That's him. Bro, yeah, that, the guy, that guy has been through fucking hell. The story, one of the story with his eye. They fucking, once he was in Guantanamo. They oh, his pick, eye wasn't like that. No, they fucking removed his eyeball. Or they, Guantanamo. They, they did, what the fuck did they do to his eye? They did something where they surgically fucking removed his eye. And then. The CIA. The CIA, yeah. Well, when they were, it was part of the interrogation process. Part of, the, part of his torture was removing his fucking eyeball. Enhanced interrogation. Yeah, enhanced interrogation. <laughs> we do not interrogate. We do any, not torture. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that guy's been through fucking hell. It's amazing that he's still alive. Um, but yeah, Karyaku, he was over there. He caught Abu Zabeda and, you know, he told the whole story about that and then how, you know, after he, he was basically rushed into surgery because they needed to keep him alive. Like his his mission was get Abu Zabeda alive. And Abu Zabeda was on the street bleeding out. They fucking took him to the closest hospital. He talks about being in the hospital while Abu Zabeda is getting surgery done he's waiting in the waiting room while people are showering the hospital with ak-47s he's ducking and and eventually wow. they they get him out and they extract him and then that was the last time he saw abu zabeda and he got sent to guantanamo eventually yeah he hasn't 
that was shortly i'm just reading it was march yeah. 2002 in pakistan this okay. was like right it's, after hard, it's hard to, yeah it's hard to think about this but at the time the only thing w- the government like knew was osama bin laden 9-11 there wasn't like a whole they didn't have all the picture of like ksm and exactly how it all went down and what mm. the planning was say nothing of saudi arabia and all that shit too but you know that's all extra stuff that we'd love to find out about but like this was like a crazy if you're at the cia at the time or something like that it's a crazy time because you're trying to figure out exactly all the pieces and you have a you have a very on edge pissed off society looking for answers mm-hmm. you know so to get a guy like this even if he wasn't quite as high up as they thought i got to check that out I, I wasn't as aware of that i haven't looked at this in a long time but like you know this was this was like the first like oh we got one you know what i mean like they yeah. hadn't they had done an okay job in afghanistan but they hadn't they hadn't gotten these guys yeah no i don't i don't really know much about that sort of time in history or any history for that matter of fact other than the documentaries that i watch <laughs> um they sort of just go in one i i watch them i remember them for a day then i forget about them that's hard like you have a fucking you have like a uh a picture book of history in your mind, in your head from like every president, every war. I don't but know how you not, do that. Not re- Listen, like same deal. I told you after we did our podcast with you, it's like the stuff that I look at. If I go on a podcast and someone starts digging for that, all right, yeah, I'm going to talk about the stuff I've like read yeah. before. But you know, most of the time when I have someone sitting there, I may know like the, for something like this, where mm. I've actually read stuff on Abu Zubaydah. Like I read, I remember I read, uh, George, I think it was George Tenet's memoir or something. It was like seven years ago. He was, was he a CIA the, director? Yeah, he was the head of the CIA okay. during this time. So like I saw these stories and whatever, and I saw it in a documentary like at the same time. So like I may know like a broad thing, but you know, the, once you actually like say, oh, here's a crazy topic that happened. Let me go look at that. I remember this. You start reading about it. You're like, oh shit, I don't, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. It's like the la- the layers to every conflict international crisis disagreement between groups it's insane Mm -hmm. i mean i just i'm I'm working on a book right now about isis and i'm like you're reading it yeah i'm like what the fuck i didn't know any of this i just knew isis were the crazy guys like killing people with wild videos on social media you know and they took over they wanted to caliphate and i like i knew the basics everyone knew the basics but then i start reading about it i'm like holy shit this took like what book is it it's called, I believe it's called Black Flags. Okay. It's great. It's great. And mm-hmm. there's an audio book too. I know you're an audio book okay. guy. Yeah, I don't like reading. But, <laughs> but like this guy, had, you know, he won the Pulitzer Prize for it, the guy who wrote it. And it's like, this shit was developing for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And we forget, you know, I live in America. I can't even name some of the countries over there. And you start reading this, you're like, Oh shit! There's more than Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Wait a second, and Israel, I guess, because they're always in the middle of stuff. It's like, oh, these guys are building all these other places too. And then you're questioning, well, what's true? What's what's kind of like right. some sources cooking the books? Which right. You always got a question. I mean, do you find yourself doing that a lot with guys you bring in, especially like even like a Bustamante, someone yeah, from the I, government? I, yeah, usually after the podcast is over, I'll mm-hmm. kind of like think about it and I'll be like, man, that guy, that seemed kind of fishy. Like that seemed kind of that kind that kind of felt like a reach, you know. Was there something from John that felt like that? Like a few things. John, um, is that his name? John. Yeah, John Karyaku. Mm, no, 
Not really. He seemed. Uh, I mean, the whole, the whole, the crazy thing to me is he blew my mind at the end of the podcast where he talked about how he's doing a, ra- a daily show on Sputnik. He signed a contract with Sputnik and he does a daily radio show with them. Is that a Russian? Yeah, I think it's the, I think it's the government, the Russian regime's radio show, <laughs> right? Why did he sign a deal with them? I, beats me. I think they're the only ones who would who would hire him to do to talk i I don't know obviously he's kind of like a dissident right because the cia they fucked him they fucked him because he came out on abc news talking about the interrogation program and when was that i i want to i want to say it was 2016 right around there when he came out about it i think it was earlier it might have been earlier Maybe he got out of prison uh, yeah, in 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he got out of prison in 2015, I think. That's what it was. But he went to prison for two years under espionage. Because he basically just, I mean, I told you the story about how he got called by the guy from ABC. And then. Yeah, 2007 was the ABC thing. I'm just oh, okay. I got it behind us. Okay. But he was, yeah, you're right. He was in jail and he got out 2015. 2015. Okay. So they didn't. He said it in 2007 and then says, on October 22nd, 2012, Kiriakou pleaded guilty to this. So they didn't charge him for a while. Right. They went through, he fought it for a long, long time, and he only pled to one charge. Like, they originally had him doing, like, 50 years. (laughs) And then he he ended up pleading, I guess he had really good, he has a really, really good team of lawyers that he had. Like, some of the best fucking lawyers in the country. And uh, he ended up only pleading to – he told me he, he had like a final meeting um, when they gave him his, like his final options of what he wanted to do. And he said he stayed up all night with his wife talking about what he wanted to do. And he was like, no, I'm going to fight it. I'm not going to take the plea. And then uh, his lawyers emailed him back instantly. And they're like, we're coming to your house right now. We, we need to meet you at this instant, like right now. So they came to his house an hour later, a team of like five lawyers. And he said, uh, after he told him why he made the decision, why he doesn't want to take the plea, he wants to take it to trial. One of the lawyers is like, he's like, you are a fucking idiot. He goes, you, he goes, you got this all backwards. You think this is about justice. It's not about justice. It's about mitigation of risk. He was right. That lawyer was right. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. But he was right. There's no, I mean, call me a cynic, you know. When the government's taking care of themselves, the order of business, yeah, nothing's off limits, man. But it's crazy. Now he's got the show on Sputnik. He said they don't censor anything he says. He says he talks about whatever the fuck he wants. He said he's never been censored on there. Even Is he though, on any American platforms? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You'd have to look it up. He claims he's not. He said he was. He says he's been censored on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. <laughs> uh instagram i think he's he is on twitter though but basically every broadcasting platform that is in america he's been censored on he's been banned from for what did he say like why he thinks he did but i don't remember off the top of my head and he's also got these guys that work with him who he says they're on twitter and they get they get you know how automated bots on twitter get labeled like their tweets get labeled like automated bot have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen on Elon Jet? If you go to Elon Jet's Twitter, all the all the automated tweets they have. Oh a little, yes, little yes, yes, it says, yes. This yes, is yes, like yes, automated yes, bot yes. tag. So on, I was just on that yesterday because you had the guy on. A bunch of the people that he works with, 
uh, that that work with him on that radio show have been labeled on Twitter as Russian state media. Mm. And they even he says, I don't know if it's true or not, but he said like they even put a Russian flag in their profile. Like Twitter does. next to their name, Twitter does, and labels them Russian sponsored media. But then Russia doesn't censor anything, and the U.S. is censoring everything. So that's that thing that threw me for a whole fucking loop because everyone tells me Russia's you? the one that censors everything. That surprised you? <laughs> that surprised me. Yeah, it didn't surprise you. No, because you were talking about something else earlier, and I said this, but. The thing I try to keep myself aware of, it's hard sometimes when you're just ripping somebody who's bad, but like evil people can do really smart shit. Not all of them. There's plenty of stupid ones, but like evil people can do really smart shit. And like with Putin, one thing that he is very, has been very, very effective at, at least up to this point, is he fucks all his own people into submission, but he will tolerate to much more of an extent than other dictators would, foreign people who say some of the same things. So like Anna Politskaya, I never pronounced her name right, but Anna Politskaya, who was a key journalist in Russia, from Russia, who reported against Putin all the time, was a check to the balance of his regime. She was murdered, shot a bunch of times in the doorway of her home. They made it very obvious. The Russian government killed her. He didn't give a fuck. David Satter, who you and I have had on our podcast, he walks around, he's fine. Because David Satter's from America. David Satter arguably was saying worse shit about Putin than Anna. But what Putin does is he then uses that. He uses guys like Edward Snowden and says like, oh, look at this. Yeah, he's allowed to say whatever he wants. Mm. Because with a guy like Snowden, and by the way, a guy like John too, because John had a righteous disagreement, by the way, with the US government. He can – Putin says, what's the trade-off? He goes, okay – I gotta let this guy say shit that's not positive towards me, but I get to say, look, I'm even letting a Westerner do it. Mm-hmm. And look, look at this. Like, his own country censors him. They don't even like him. Look at how free we are here. And then people in his home country go, eh, I guess it's not as bad as we thought. Yeah. So he changes the, the narrative. Now, mm. Xi doesn't do that. Xi Jinping is incapable, it appears to me, unless someone has evidence to show me. It appears he's incapable of that. Like, if an NBA player says something wrong, they're out, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we cut their games. Mm -hmm. But Putin, he understands, he seems to understand political chip trade-offs. I don't know. But I'd have to look into this and and see what it is. I just think it's... Putin seems like a fun guy. (laughs) (laughs) Why? He does. The the fucking propaganda videos? You watch the Oliver Stone interviews with him? Yes, I've seen seen some of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing. Seems like a smart dude. Seems sharp, seems intelligent, seems like he's fit. So he works out every single day? He works out every day. Karate expert? I'll I'll give him that, but he's not like... um, He shows people what he wants them to see. It's like any other... I mean, you look at Just like... Just like anybody does. Every, every sure. That's what everybody does. Look at Kim Jong, Kim Jong-il's or whatever the fuck is... Kim Jong-un's videos. He's riding on a fucking white horse and like looking at 1995 computers all excited and going, ooh, bomb, yeah, exciting. It's got like nice music. Of course, he looks like a great guy. Kills all his people. It's just like they show you what they want. It's it's no different in any government. I'm, I don't look past that here, but it's like, you know, we have such a weird thing this is just my opinion we have such a weird thing going on where it's like conflict growth they need to make it right so that so you know it's not good enough for the media to be like wow this is fucked up like look what putin's doing in ukraine they need to suddenly be like we in america are all ukrainians 
and like there's nothing wrong there's not a single wrong thing wrong in ukraine not one thing it's the perfect country everything's beautiful there yeah. and putin's just putin's hitler and what you do is you then turn people off who are like well that's kind of crazy that's right that's pie in the sky because yeah. it is and then it's like form the factions and everyone fights and mm-hmm. and now they're now they're suddenly like oh shit we overcooked that one we got to get the attention somewhere else oh someone leaked the roe v wade thing you know this is what they do it's like what what are they called on twitter the, the current thing yeah you know mm-hmm. it's just like in some ways we're all at fault though for it because we just too many of us just let it happen and get caught up in the moment for 280 characters to make ourselves feel good yeah I told you about the documentary I've been watching, the latest one, called Can't Get You Out of My Head, which is wild. And uh, it's a great history lesson for someone like me who's an idiot, doesn't know anything about history. Oh, is this the Mao one? Yeah. It's about Mao and uh, Jang... Oh, fucking... I want to say it's like Jang Ching. What's the, what's the name of the doc again? It's called Can't Get You Out of My Head. I think her name is Jang Ching. Um, it's basically, it, it's Mao's wife. And basically the, the whole documentary, it's a six part series and it basically, it shows. Who was Mao again? Who was the China guy? Mao Zedong. He was the. China. Yeah, China. He was the fucking whatever, the president of China. Yeah. And, um, it talks about the whole history of China and his wife, Jiang Qing, where she came from, how she came to be. And it, it, it kind of like shows the connections between individualism, capitalism, nationalism, mm. and like the rise of conspiracy theories and how the purpose of the original conspiracy theories that were created. It talks about like the the how the whole Illuminati conspiracy theory was created. Can you explain that? At least what you've seen. Um, which part? The general thirty that. Sorry, I choked on one thing. 30,000 foot in the air view of like the – because I always joke about the Illuminati. I've never done a deep dive on that. I don't remember. I mean the, the Illuminati part was just kind of – they kind of glossed over the whole Illuminati part. But basically the Illuminati was just a way to discredit a lot of things that were happening in like the ruling class. Or like just to like for, – for the lower class citizens to sort of – like the it talks about it talks a lot about conspiracy theories how like the connection between conspiracies and conspiracy theories mm. the problem is there's tons of conspiracies there are tons of real conspiracies but the problem with conspiracy theories is that there's no limit on conspiracy theories like there could be so many conspiracy theories and they're the same thing as the conspiracies because you don't know if the conspiracies are real and you don't know if the conspiracy theories are real. And it shows just the evolution of that and like the human mind and how it's evolved from from Mao or even before Mao, from like early China to now. And it basically – it shows what's going on in each empire and it shows like the rise of imperialism and, and the American empire and the banks in the 90s. And it just basically shows what's going on in each of the big empires in certain times – uh, at certain times throughout history, it goes back and it shows all the failed revolutions, and it even shows like Tupac's mom. Yeah, Fanny. Yeah, yeah Fanny. Do you really? Yeah. I don't know. Should I? I'm just gonna like regurgitate what I'm I can remember. Big, I mean, you look over. I'm the biggest Tupac head of all time. Look behind the thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it shows her, and it shows like how they basically got set up. 
and went to court and how she represented herself in court and and all in this maldoc all in this maldoc bro it, goes, it covers everything it's so hard to follow she was a panther she i mean she was yeah. like you know yeah she was in the middle of all that and there were but there was somebody there was like a there was a cia agent in their group mm-hmm like a provocateur who was trying to set things up. There was nobody really doing anything. Like there was a fucking in, a government CI or I don't know if it was CI or FBI, but there was some sort of insider, a provocateur in their organization trying to set shit up, set up these shootings in these shopping malls and stuff like that. And then when, when they went to court, she points that out. She's like, look, you were the one who conspired, who created this plan, not us. And she got him off, which was crazy. I mean, it just shows it just so, so many parallels and it shows like, just like so many times throughout history where there's all these coincidences and it's again uh, i probably only got i only probably you know retained 20% of the whole fucking documentary so far i have to i have to go watch it three more times to actually really grasp what happened it sounds like a lot it's of a, important it's themes it's really good there's a lot of there's a lot of intertwined narratives in that documentary and i'm only on episode 4 so well, think Get about back to me. think about the symbolism on it. Like the the term conspiracy, obviously it's been around, but the idea of conspiracy theory was vastly spread far and wide at the behest of the CIA. Not accusing anything here, wink, wink. After the JFK thing, right? Uh, oh yeah, he's in the huge wink, wink. And of course he is, right? So they they wanted they wanted to create a term. That was a dismissal, right? So when I say conspiracy theory, under the same cloak, you can put people who believe in flat earth mm-hmm. and people who believe that something fishy happened with JFK. These two things are in no way equal. Mm-hmm. One is filled with a bunch of morons. The other one is filled with sincere evidence. Mm-hmm. Even if people don't know the exact thing, which I think we actually can point to at least some of the exact things there. But either way, let's pretend we couldn't. We know some fucked up shit happened. There's no such thing as a magic bullet. That's bullshit, right? right. Like, we, we know there was some sort of forces at play, right. and a sitting U.S. president was murdered. But those people can be dismissed with one term immediately. Right. Same way, by the way, that any time you would – I would see this in, like, 2017, 2018, 2019 as Trump's presidency was going on. Anytime someone disagreed with, like, a mainstream, like – anti-trump narrative they were a trumper mm. oh that's a trump supporter yeah right like they would just tag someone that ultra way. maga yes ultra and, maga and now you've seen it start the other way too like yeah. someone's like oh that's a leftist anytime they say something that's like mm-hmm. or a libtard or something yeah. anytime they say something that's like against the rightward narrative because over time we see reactions have reactions man like what do you expect like that's what right. people do right and so now we have a situation where Politically, we're like that, but then even on conspiracies, I mean, people have access to more information, good, bad, and indifferent, than ever before online, mm. and people will form narratives. And so, I try to look at, like, in studying, like, how regimes over time. This is why this documentary is so interesting to me. It's like how have regimes utilized that, that doubt, right? Like that little seed of doubt to say, like, nah, it didn't happen, or like what you saw, not real, mm. to be able to grasp power and mm-hmm. get people like start with one lie and then people believe all the lies yeah scary 
It is. No, actually, in the documentary, they, they have – they show all this archival footage. That's what this guy – this guy, Adam Curtis, he's like a BBC filmmaker, documentarian. Oh, it's a BBC doc. It's BB, yeah, produced by the BBC. Wow. Um, but what he does is he uses this archived footage and he pieces together these documentaries with just like weird artsy B-roll archived footage and dope music. And he, and he basically narrates it and strings it all together with his voiceovers. He like writes a script that he does a voiceover for and tells the story, and it's it's pretty it's pretty good. Um, Are there a bunch of episodes of this, or like what's the this specific documentary has six episodes? Yeah, they're all on YouTube, by the way. You can watch them all for free. Wow, they like um, an hour a piece. Yeah, type about, deal? about an hour a piece. Yeah, and uh, this this sounds great. There's tons of footage of Har- Lee Harvey Oswald's best friend. Who was his best friend? Uh, another guy that he met in the military. I forget the guy's name. But the guy basically um, created this whole conspiracy about Lee Harvey Oswald being like pro-communist and, and all this stuff. And, and there was a conspiracy theory that he was putting forward that he was publishing called Operation Mindfuck. The friend. Yeah, Lee Harvey's friend. Have you ever heard of Operation Mindfuck? Never. Yeah, so I can't believe that's real. They published it. Yeah. Back then? Back then. Yeah. And apparently it ended up being something that he was tricked into publishing by the CIA. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, this fucking thing goes deep. Well, you know, one time we got a like corner Bustamante somewhere wearing like dark clothes with sunglasses on in a dark room with a candle and say, You can't leave until you tell us. <laughs> We should shrink. definitely do that. Yeah, he would know it's us. Though. We should tell him that there's some enhanced interrogation techniques out yeah. back. Waterboarding. We have Jim Diorio back there waiting for him. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, the oh, things. Like, shit. do you think that happens? Like the CIA, like you have like a orientation, but then a real orientation. Like, here's all. Know. Here's all the shit we did. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, how many people work for the CIA? I, mean, I was how many thinking about think? that. I don't know. I haven't Googled that yet. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. Of, there's got to be a ton of pencil pushers, right? That work in the off, like the main office. There's no. There's no way we know the real number. I think that's what Karaoke started doing. Was he was like a pencil pusher at first, research analysis type guy. Andy says that, but Andy's like pretty. I don't know if you talked to him about that. He's like very adamant about that, though. He doesn't like that term because he wasn't that. By the way, he obviously like he no, was yeah, a, he yeah. was on a cover. Yeah, but he's like you have to understand like. That's not really a thing. Like the people who are sitting in Langley even, like literally at the main office, like they're doing wild shit. It's not just like the secrets that they're exposed to every day that they have to build on top of is absurdly high. Mm -hmm. So he was like, we're all spies. He's like, let's get that straight. It's not just me Mm -hmm. doing undercover. So I think that's a little different because you could definitely – like about the FBI and stuff. I mean talk to Jim like – there's a lot of pencil pushers, a lot of people mm-hmm. doing no shit, right? right? But the CIA, it's like their goal is totally different. They don't give a shit about arrests, you know, unless, it, you know, someone like Abu Zubaydah, they want to have mm-hmm. him here forever to talk to him whenever they want right. for their own means. But like they want sources. They want people who can give them information, can mm-hmm. give them an, an idea of what's going on. And they're willing to let – they're willing to have trade-offs for mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the moral question. 
Yeah, I, I have no idea what the initiation process would be like, but I know they would never let me. I know I would never make a cut, make the cut. No, they would never talk to me. No, absolutely not. I like I'm the I'm the guy with the dark Google searches. <laughs> I'm out right away. Yeah, so like at 13, this kid was googling Al Qaeda. Come on, no, we're out. <laughs> the thing you said about the thing you said about um, Putin purposely letting American dissidents into his country and to speak on their rate their national radio station it's super smart because there's, it's there's no smart. are there any are we doing that in any way i'm trying to think yes yeah i i can't name people but we absolutely well i would say like a guy like like Navalny and before him Boris Nemtsov like the 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 key political opponent was always raised profile here which by the way I thought was great that was very very important because there I mean Nemtsov was murdered by Putin in Russia so there's who is Nemtsov Nemtsov was before Navalny he was the head of the political opposition for years and years in Russia okay so and they and that's the thing like they tried to discredit him left and right and they tried to do the same thing with Navalny I don't know as much about Navalny just being honest like mm. and like, he was a YouTuber I have no I, honestly yeah like, he had a fucking amazing YouTube channel with millions of views I mean he posted every Friday I'm not educated he on was Navalny. the Logan Paul of Russia hilarious but ne- Nemtsov was like an old school guy I know I know his history a little bit like a little bit but you know, like these guys are the political opposition and they were Navalny's in jail mm-hmm. over the prison over there and, and Nemtsov was killed. And it's like, well, we raised their profile. Is that the same thing? Not necessarily, but like as a guy like – what's it, what was the name of the guy, Jack uh, – the guy you had on? Barsky? Yeah. Vaguely, this, vaguely the same thing. I think it's a little less significant than Snowden. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the same thing. But he spent like he spent very little time in Russia. I think he spent like a, maybe a month or two in Russia. But he total. was a spy here, right? He was a spy here, you know. But he had he had virtually zero communication with the Russians. Like he was in Germany, right. start got recruited in Germany. But they trained trained him, him in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Then they finally flew him to Russia for a couple months, and they sent him off to the U.S. Still, like they trained him heavily. He was a KGB asset living in the U.S. I mean, those are golden children like mm-hmm. they treat those and that's why they were trying to get him out like he talked about that they kept on putting the sign in the subway every day like, right. get the fuck out he, right it, it's it's i'm sure it's the same way that andy describes the cia like the cia does not want to lose an asset mm-hmm. it's it's not even they don't give a fuck about the person it's mm-hmm. the money right the training and the time you know yeah like, it's so impressive by the way great interview with that guy oh thank you really really good but that that dude i just shut up and the interview is great the things that that they were able to get him comfortable to be able to do like even like own some of the accent but still be american i forget what the cover story was like his his mom or something but he was raised somewhere else and he got like that's a hard thing to lie about like it's Mm -hmm. such bullshit and he was able to live no problem for i guess like decades here yeah the crazy thing is how he moved here and he just basically left his wife and his firstborn child in germany yeah and like just walked away from that when he met some new lady and had a new kid here like that came in a fucking imagine doing something like that i think a lot of these guys are in i don't know how i wasn't there but i think they're trained in some ways if it's even possible to be somewhat desensitized towards that however 
like when this is just my perspective hearing him talk i wasn't there you were there mm-hmm. maybe you'd have a better feel it felt like to me to this day there's a small piece of him that that doesn't that bothers him like it really he's still a human mm-hmm. like even after all that you're still there's still like a little bit of you that's that's a full human yeah you know? yeah yeah a lot of that shit has to follow you Especially when you're a guy who's his age, you probably he's probably been through so much shit. And then you really have no choice either. You're fucking KGB sent to the US. What are you gonna do? You can't just ask them to come. I mean, you already ignored their call back to Russia. I mean, you, there's no going back now. You're gonna be stuck. Yeah, it's weird. Such a, you know, the other thing is like, we say there's no rules in the agencies here, and to an extent, that's right. But like, there's really no rules in places that like aren't democracies or something. They do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, you're. They may not like losing you, like I said, but if you step out of line and you're a threat, mm-hmm. your whole family could be gone. Mm. Yeah. Which I don't say is impossible here, by the way. No, it's not impossible it's here. Not impossible. I don't know. I, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to have a real good perspective on the u.s when you're living here when we're sitting here in new jersey in the podcast studio it's really hard to know when we're watching all these documentaries about all these other fucking crazy corrupt empires not to know i mean we do know a little bit but but people like oliver stone just get called like anti-american conspiracy theorists i listen i think i told you this i call and i don't even like using this term because i don't like the connotation so i always like to qualify i think oliver stone is a necessary evil right he is so jaded from being in vietnam and seeing the worst of the worst right Mm. and so he's he is definitely Mm -hmm. i mean the guy's like barack obama's a war criminal should be in like the guy's a little he's over he's overboard but he is unafraid like if if oliver stone shines the light on something that happened and he makes it sound like world war five but 10 percent of it has validity Mm -hmm. and people aren't talking about it that's worth it to me yeah right i'll be like okay oliver that part all right you didn't even support that but okay all right i Mm -hmm. see i see like it's so he'd be so interesting to talk to but some people they can't like oh he hates america yeah, he he doesn't have the best opinion, and people could say he got rich here and you know fed off the system, and he's hypocritical. But I think you have to understand, like you haven't walked in his shoes. He's lived his he has lived his whole life throughout his career, even when he was making money. He has stayed towards the same themes when it comes to that topic of like trying to be a check to the what he views as some of the falsities of democracy. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There's things. There's things that 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 spark when you're young that send you on this trajectory of life. Like with him talking about being in Vietnam and seeing how he's been sent by this evil empire to the fight this war. And he's that narrative has stuck in his head and he's acted on it from a young kid, you know, making movies and he's built a giant name and a giant business off of it. And that's what he's good at doing it. You gotta Shit. have him in. It's like, uh, it's like, like the st- like, just like on, um, on the documentary we were talking about, Jang Ching, the wife of Mao, she was p- acting in plays, and she was always second best to this girl who would always get the number one role, and she was always super jealous of this girl, super resentful of this girl, 
And that sent her on her trajectory to become what she became, leading the revolutions that she was trying to lead. And and she hated losing. Yeah, she hated. She she always felt like she got she was second fiddle to somebody, and she didn't like that. She wanted to be number one, and that's eventually that's actually why she married Mao. They say that she played to Mao to like to get him to like her, and then she was climbing. It was power. It was all power that basically lured her to where she was eventually going and where she eventually ended up. Have you heard the story of Xi Jinping's childhood? No. I don't know anything about Xi Jinping. He's the current leader of China. I I really have to study him because I don't know nearly enough. But this always struck me. When he was a kid, I believe his father was in the Communist Party. Something went wrong. He did something wrong. He stepped out of line. Mm -hmm. He was disgraced and excommunicated from the party. That affected the whole family. So when Xi was six or seven years old, for example, they made him, the Communist Party of China, made him stand in the middle of town, in like the town square, with a sign that said like something, it didn't say this, but it was like the equivalent of like, I'm a traitor, or like, fuck this, or whatever. And his mom had to walk by him, look at him. And say, shame on you, Xi Jinping. And I think she even had to spit on him. I'm not sure about that second part. But he lived with that shame. And then he was made fun of and bullied in school over it. And so as he grew up, he was hardened. He's like, never again. I'm going to own all these motherfuckers. And so he, he's, a, he's a very smart guy. He educated himself, came to America even, I think, and got some sort of education as well. And then rose up and said, I'm going to. I'm going to own all this and I'm going to be the head of the Communist Party. And then when he did, he's got a power trip on it because he's like – he lives his whole life to get back at the people who told him he couldn't and told him he was less than, told him he didn't belong. And now he takes that out on other people mm. in the worst of ways, by the way, in with absolute unchecked power. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's that docu- this documentary explores all of that, like the, the primal motivations for power and the – basically the desires of the individual and you know how that ultimately leads to tyranny it's crazy it makes me think about elon musk a lot why because like the whole everything elon musk does like he's he's basically he's a god elon musk elon i'm sorry (laughs) elon's he's a god right now he's a fucking everyone loves him he's all over twitter he's all over everything he's like fucking space he's gonna bring us to mars he's gonna buy twitter and free us free the speech and you know, creating these amazing cars, these... What, what do you think of that whole Electric thing? cars. It makes me think, like, this whole, like, everything, this subject we're talking about now, like, these primal motivations and these individualistic motivations makes me wonder, like, is he really this messiah or is he mm. just trying, is he, uh, is he just trying to get pussy? Is he just trying to get clout? What, well, what, it, what, are you, what are you leaning towards? I don't, I, I don't know. It just, I've never really thought about it until recently. And I've just been thinking about it more and more and more and more and more. Is he just trying to get? The, is he love the attention? Does he love the cloud? Is he mm. just? Is he? Does he have something that happened to him in childhood that that makes him just have this tremendous, tremendous desire for power and popularity? And I mean, he's what Donald Trump was three years ago, right? I mean, Donald Trump was the most popular, polarizing person in the world. He's becoming that if he's not already. In a different way, I want to. I want to totally different still, way. Yeah, I still totally, totally give different Elon way. Credit without going there, but yeah, Elon gets more credit yeah. for sure. But Trump was a he's a product of his time. I think that's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, 
Is he a messiah or is he just... That's is, dangerous. You can't do that. Is he... Uh, you can't do that. Is he... Uh, well, I talked about this. I've talked about this 30 different times already, but on Westworld, the I don't know if you've seen Westworld on HBO. I know, I'm aware of it. I've never seen it. Basically, Dr. Ford is talking to somebody at... I forget who it is, but in one of the episodes, he's talking to them and he's basically, their goal is they're creating uh, these humanoid type robots trying to gather information on human beings. And after studying millions, you know, hundreds of thousands of human beings and, and analyzing all their decisions they make in this theme park full of robots, he basically says, uh, human intellect is nothing more than peacock feathers. He goes, look at the the Empire State Building. Look at Michelangelo, Mozart, the mm. most amazing music, architecture, yeah. buildings, uh, anything in the world. And all it is is an elaborate mating call. And people might come up with another story to justify it. Like Elon might say he's trying to make us an interplanetary species or he's trying to solve climate change. He's or doing he's it trying all to for do pussy. free speech. He's just <laughs> doing it all for pussy. That's it. Wow. Interesting, interesting thought. Wow. There's a lot there. But maybe you're, you're getting to primal motives. Yeah. I mean, when in doubt, the complexity of the world comes back to that. Mm -hmm. What you just described, what I described a couple minutes ago was Xi Jinping. Primal motive, power. Mm -hmm. Other people told me I couldn't. Fuck them. I'll tell them I can. Power. I'll get any bitch I want. Yeah, power right? equals pussy. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. I Listen. I have him on the wall below Steve Jobs. It made a lot of sense, uh -huh. obviously, to do that when I designed the studio two years ago. And I, I got the I got the smoking one right here on, on the thing. I love it. And, and I'm a fan. But I also make damn sure to say this, and I hold myself to it. I'm not a fan boy. Mm -hmm. We have too much of that in society, in my opinion, where it's like we latch on to someone so much because we love everything that they can do no wrong. Like he's, you know, he's, he's a human being. He's an imperfect guy. You know, do I, do I believe business insider coming out with what appears, I read it appears to be another hack job report to take someone down. No, but you know, if they come out with better evidence or something, maybe at some point I would, I don't know, but you can't, you have to hold people to what they say. Okay. Elon, you're buying Twitter because you care a lot about free speech and opening up the full political spectrum of people being able to speak and if they say something stupid they get checked in the public square that theory i agree with a thousand percent i am with you i think we should be able to make like if if all those people who were in charlottesville in 2017 are tweeting whatever the fuck they want i think we should be able to make fun of them mm -hmm. i think that's great yeah they're morons right totally they're, they're such a small percentage fuck those people like that's hilarious like what an idiot you know what I mean? It's not funny when they do something violent, but right. like, how do you get rid of those people? You laugh at them because right. then kids see like, oh, they're getting laughed at. They're not mm. taken seriously. There's no power to that, right. you know. But if you shut it down, if you take it away, then some people, you know, they, their mind starts going and they start mm -hmm. going, mm, I, I wonder what that's like. I wonder why they're doing that. They must be threatened. Those guys must have power. Mm. So like now, if Elon's coming in and that's the true motivation here, great. That's what he says. I'm going to hold him to that. You know, but if he's doing it, <laughs> he's doing it to get pussy. <laughs> like, you know, and that might be an oversimplified way of putting it, but it's not, you're not nuts. That's right. that really 
the way you describe it, like it's not crazy. And don't get me not. wrong, I love Elon. I fucking I, I have a Tesla. I love everything yeah. Elon does. I think he's cool. I think he's funny. I I like. I think that's the way. If you're a billionaire, that's the way you should be. Versus you know fucking Bill Gates. But um, yeah, he's the worst man. You know, yeah, I love, I love, I love Elon. I think he's cool. What do you think Gates' deal is? I don't fucking know. I think he's a fucking nerd loser uh, <laughs> who didn't get any pussy. No, I don't know. I, I mean, I, Jeff, Jeff got him some. Jeff did, yeah, Jeff man. He, got uh, him. he, he uh, found the found the roid the roids and he uh, got him some, some a yacht. Rather young, young blood, unfortunately. But, but yeah, Pierce, yeah. He, um, Gates, Gates is a weirdo. I don't know. I don't know enough about him to really talk about it, but, you know, just to say that he was hanging out with Epstein and, um, what he's doing with trying to buy up all the farm. Apparently he's buying up more farmland in the U S than anybody right now because he wants to create uh fake meat or yeah, something. What's the deal? He's there? all about veganism and he's like trying to get rid of, I mean, I understand getting rid of factory farming. Obviously that's yes, fucking shit. That should be it's horrible. That should be eliminated. People that haven't looked at that should. It's so fucking bad. Man. But what he's doing, I think he inv- he bought, he invested in the Beyond Meat stuff and he's trying to simplify or consolidate all of the food processing into one thing. He's basically trying to be the, the fucking, I don't know, the one stop shop for all processed food in America. But I'm not 100% sure on that. That's a legend. I mean, he owns, I forget what the exact percentage is, but it's at least 1% of the farmland. That's it? At this point. Oh. I mean, that's that's a lot. Okay. He, he owns one out of, imagine if one person owns one out of 100 farm fields. Yeah, true. Right? Like when you get over the bridge in Bumblefuck, New Jersey, Yeah. how many fucking farm fields did you count? Yeah. Past 100 right there. Yeah, He owns true. one of them. Right? Like now it's extrapolate lot, that. He's just like. He's, you're right. He's a total nerd. I think that's fairly obvious. But his his body language at everything is like, if I'm the twelve person jury, I mean, am I even listening to the witness on the stand? I'm yeah. looking at him going, that motherfucker is guilty as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I look, people said the same thing about Amanda Knox. You know, some people just unfortunately have that. But like when you're that powerful and you go out of your way to do things in public and talk to people and do interviews with places that are paid off by X, Y, and Z, it's like, mm-hmm. which one is it, man? Yeah, I don't know about him. I don't really, I haven't thought much about that guy other than, you know, what I've seen or what I've heard. But yeah, weird billionaires. Steve never liked him either. That always Steve Jobs. Yeah, he he didn't. They had taught. Bill was in his kitchen towards the end of his life, having a talk and making peace and all that. Or really, yeah. But I don't really. I don't really. And this is just my theory. I don't know. But if if I know anything about Steve Jobs based on what other people have who knew him have described him, I don't believe for a second that he ever had a. Even after he may have had peace and been like, I can't, I'm gonna die. I can't really control anything. I wish you well. Like, I could believe that, but I don't think he had a high opinion of Bill. And I do wonder, because I think everyone, unfortunately, is subject to environmental changes that can go bad. And I don't think Steve is any exception to that, especially because he had a lot of flaws himself, by the mm-hmm. way. But I do wonder how he would have handled 
our world over the last decade. Like, especially with his invention, too, what he would have thought of that. I don't think his intention was for society to be addictively brainwashed by something. Whereas, and I don't know, it's just a vibe I get. When I listen to Bill speak in general about things, I feel like it's the opposite. Bro, have you seen that new fucking Apple commercial? No. You have to fucking play it. Can you yeah, is there, yeah, a, way, is there yeah. a way we can both like watch it and comment on it? Fuck yeah. Bro, pull up the new Apple. I think it's the privacy commercial where it shows like an auction. You haven't seen that one? Someone put a meme out of this. Dude, where they it is it good. It is a good fucking commercial. Solid, strong move. Two days ago? Strong move. Came out two days ago? Yeah, I think so. All right, hold on. Let me. This is a brand new machine here I'm playing with. That fancy new M1 Max Pro. Yeah, baby. Can't afford it, but need it. But yeah, it like shows like an auction and people are auctioning off this fucking girl's DMs, her shopping, browsing history and all this stuff. It's fucking genius. Oh, yeah. Is this it? I don't know. I can't see it. It's over there. Yep, this is it. They did a little play on Godfather the music there. Let's the stop before the drop. Trove, charming Ellie's private data. Huh? Lot number one, her emails. The one she's opened and read, wonderfully personal. Let's start at 240. 60, 280. Sold. Lot number two, Ellie's drugstore purchases. Voila, priceless data. Do I hear 485? Sold. Allocation data. It's not creepy, it's Thomas! Do I hear 620? 640? 660? So, all her contracts, even sweet mother! So, at 7.40, her recent transactions, her browsing history, her late-night texting habit. Sold! And now the one you've all been waiting for, and I can promise you won't be disappointed. How fucking wow. solid is that? They did a great job. With they that. really hit a nerve there, didn't they? I like to call them. Uh, can you say this anymore? I'm. Just, I apologize if this is like whatever, but I like to call them a dwarf among midgets. They are the best. A on dwarf privacy. among midgets. That's from. That's, what does that mean? The tallest midget? Yeah, no. It, well, it means you ever seen? It was a Family Guy cutaway. That's where I saw it. Okay. It was like you're like a dwarf among midgets, and it cuts to a guy in a cereal box, and they go, John, can you reach that? Why, yes, I can. <laughs> so I always use that. But, like, Apple is the best. They are. Statistically, of all the companies on privacy. That solidifies it right there. Oh, yeah, an ad. That's, that was a great fucking ad. They want to convince you of that. But, like, they, they have the do, best ads. They do still have some problems. But, like, you know, I do feel like we have to play, unfortunately, lowest common denominator with stuff because it's like they're the dwarf among the midget. They still you utilize all our data they still i'm gonna get myself in trouble if i try to go like fully into details but they still basically like package our data and send it to other people and allow Who? it to be used i don't justin baker was in here and was talking about it i think like episode 57 who's he he's the cto of soar they they are a, a volumetric capture company they do holograms and 
Oh, you like, told me about this earlier. Yeah, they have like the fastest compression algorithm in the world. He's amazing. Like he's just he's a galaxy brain, and he he knows. He also is very aware of the reality. Like he's not someone who lives in Silicon Valley and sits there and drinks the Kool Aid of everything. He's like, well, no, this is a problem. That's a problem. He's, he's what are the holograms used for? Well, it's so new that like they, Tupac dancing at Coachella. No, that okay. was fake. That was fake. So they did a. 2D play on the eyes. That was in 2012. I didn't know this, but when I had Anthony on, the, the founder of that company, he talked about that. He was like, no, I, I'm very aware of exactly what happened there. They did a play on the eyes that made it appear a hologram. And I can't remember if he said that the people there could tell it wasn't, like the people who were actually in attendance. But someone could tell it wasn't, hmm. and like he knows the guys who who did that. But they, the amount of data that's required to capture like this right now, like three D, is obscene. It doesn't, believe it or not, it doesn't take expensive cameras. Well, that doesn't mean it's not a hologram, though. I mean, technically, a hologram—that's what it is—a play on the eyes, right? It's no, it's just lighting and no. Well, no. Well, then I explained that wrong. I'm sorry. I'm saying like it was a play on the eyes that made a 2D object appear that it had volume to it, but it didn't. Mm. Like if you had been standing next, like he said, what he did say is Snoop Dogg, who was on the stage, knew. He knew that was not a hologram. Mm. He was standing from, right from next the, to From the audience yep. perspective, it looked 3D. Yes, exactly. Well, let me ask you this. If something looks 3D, how do you know it's not really 3D? And is it not 3D? If something looks 3D to you, isn't it 3D? If you're in person, you will know it's not. And that's the idea. I can't remember if the audience knew, but Snoop knew because Snoop was next to him. Okay. So he's standing right next to him. So if you're in person, you know. Hmm. And we're going to be at a point where you can really tell based on how the object interacts with the environment on an image on tech, like, you know, mobile Hmm. or something Hmm. like that. But, you know, Baker was running through some of that with me. I I can't remember all the details. I'll have to pull that up. But... You know, Apple's done some good things. Like I, one thing you should talk with Jim about because I was unaware of this until he brought it up on a podcast. But not number one hundred. The first, the time before that, when he was in here, I found out that he was one of the agents leading the San Bernardino iPhone investigation into the terrorist out there. So in 2015, when they, when that guy killed like 13 people and then killed himself, he had an iPhone, mm-hmm. and Jim. Good man, moral man, loves America, longtime Army Ranger, FBI agent. He wanted the fucking iPhone unlocked. Mm. His job, save American lives, right? I'm a good guy. Give me the fucking iPhone, Tim. Right. And Tim Cook was like, no, I'm with you. I know there's got to be information on that iPhone. I want to give it to you. But if I give it to you, it's a slippery slope. Because then, who do I give the next iPhone up of? Whose vi- whose privacy do it? This is a bad terrorist. We can agree on that. But who do you convince me to agree on it next? Yeah. Someone not as bad. Yeah. And like I always tell Jim, I'm like, Jim, the problem is if I just had to give you that power, I'd give it to you all day. I know you're not going to do anything. Right. But I'm like, the problem is if I give you that power, not only do I give every other person at the FBI that power, right. and therefore the government, exactly, everyone who comes after you, right, is everyone you ever worked with a good guy? And he's like, no. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Right. Same argument with Andy, by the way. Mm. Same argument with Andy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it becomes something di- like it becomes something completely different when there's, 
you know, is it, are we really in a de- democracy when you basically have corporations running the country? Because corporations are, they lobby and they get these people in, right. in power and then they make their decisions based on what these corporations are paying them to do or right. these laws, these corporations are basically putting it. That's another thing, like going back to the fucking documentary, I'll talk about it a million times, but they talk about like where, how we mass democracy has, de- has evolved into what it is today based on money strictly on so now it's not a democracy we're run by all these corporations that have quote-unquote politicians or government in their pocket and it's i mean and this even goes back like i think it's a good idea i think it would be great if elon bought twitter but isn't elon super beholden to the government like doesn't he launch military isn't he super reliant on launching military satellites into orbit and isn't tesla super reliant on federal grants so the word completely is strong so i won't (laughs) use it but it's heavy yeah heavy yeah it's a great point you bring up yeah i mean he's not rich by accident i mean he saw a huge opportunity there to make a lot of money with spacex after they ended the shuttle program and he's also saudi aside we know that there's richer people in saudi who we don't know what they're really worth but if you don't include saudi arabia and like the uae He's not among like the rankings. He's not really the richest man in the world, no. because so like an overwhelming amount of it is on paper. Right, it's all stocks. Yeah, right. Like I knew when I worked at Bank of America, I did not have access to any of this. This was not through Bank of America employees telling me this. I found this out from outside the bank. He had, and this is now three years ago, maybe when I found this out. He had three rolling lines of credit to pay for his lifestyle, which his lifestyle is his business, mm-hmm. right? So it was around, it was in the ballpark of 500 million. It was, I believe, I believe it was- Line Bank, of credit? Yeah, Bank of America, UBS, and maybe one, it, there was one other. I mm-hmm. think it was, I, I could be yeah. wrong on the names. But like I told people, I'm like, that's wild. Cause like you hear $500 million, oh, that's a fuck ton. Not for that guy. Think about all the shit he does. Think about all the shit, like all the play you had on the guy who who tracks his jets. All the times he charters jets, pays for it, like outside of the business and stuff, you know, or like has to put money through the business to pay for it, mm. or even beyond. Let's assume all that's paid for from the business. His whole life is being in the middle of crazy situations. His security team has to be insane. The people he has to pay around him to get insulation from basic shit. So like, you know. He's taking lines of credit. I'm not saying like people wouldn't take easy money on that. Like Bezos may very well do the same thing, but the connotation was when you look at his assets, so much of it is tied up in into stock that he hasn't right. traded. And right. like look at how he's buying Twitter. I haven't looked at the full breakdown, but a lot of it was based on like levered or not levered. It was based on promise like Tesla stock. I heard he was selling SpaceX stock or promising space stocks in SpaceX. Maybe I I, that's I have how, to look at that's that. how a lot of these guys live though. Like you don't you think that they're they're not just living off their bank accounts. They're fucking they they finance everything in their lives. Their their car payments and their fucking the coffee they buy from McDonald's on it's all credit. Everything is all bank bank loans and credit cards and and lines of credit from banks. Like their assets, they leverage their assets to pay for their lifestyles. If you are a smart guy. That's how you should do it. And you – absolutely. But let, let me paint this, this scenario. If you're a smart guy and you know 
you're a more aggressive investor. You're very rich. In other, in not even in the investment business, in another business, mm-hmm. but with your money. You're an aggressive investor. So if you're 50 years old, if you are looking to search the web privately and not have all these websites track you when you leave, check out my friends over at Privato VPN. Privato VPN is the VPN company that gives you full privacy while losing you no speed, and it allows you to use it on up to 10 different devices at one time. It's a great benefit to have. So if you use the link in my description, you will go to my landing page with the site, and you'll see a plan there for $4.99 a month. It's the same one I use, so check it out. You're going to love it. And you're allocated to 95% stocks, which is not recommended for the average human psychology. But you're smart. You know you make 40% on a good year. When the market hit, shits the bed, you lose 60%. Mm-hmm. But if you made 40% for seven years in a row, like you live with it and it'll, it'll recover overall if you're diversified, right? If you know that you're not going to sell in that situation and panic like a bitch, wouldn't you agree that taking a loan – to be able to keep your money in stocks rather than cash to pay for something means you're going to get richer? Yeah. Yeah. So the quote, it takes money to make money, I didn't know that in college. I, I knew the quote, but like I didn't understand how that worked. I learned it in my career because I would see these guys call up and basically get free money. I'll, ne- I'll never forget one. There was one dude, not my client, someone else's client, worth Billionaire, right? He was building – he has a public company. So he's got a lot of stock tied up in that. He's got plenty of stuff like tied up in in a lot of places that he could pull out. Not necessarily his company but other stuff, no problem. But he goes to build a house in a very, very wealthy sector of America, we'll call it. And The Hamptons. You're good. (laughs) You're very good. That was it. So that could mean a lot of things. But he goes to build a house in the Hamptons and we'll say – it was in the ballpark of he wanted to do a knockdown and a rebuild. So his ballpark full project was like thirty five, forty million. Yeah. Another day at the another day at the office farm. So he it was like half and half. It worked out that way somehow, I think. Where it was like the full knockdown, including redoing the land itself and redredging shit was like roughly half of of the full price and that building the house was the other half. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Or buying the house was half, and then I forget. But it was like half and half. And he goes, all right, I'm going to pay for the first one in cash because why not? Mm-hmm. But the second part, he's like – he said to his advisor, he's like, I got I got a stock portfolio. Can you give me a loan on that? And the guy's like, yeah, loans are at like 2% right now. Yeah, free money. So for a year, he paid 2% divided by 12 a month. <laughs> no principal. <laughs> he was handed a $15, $20 million check. Paid for everything. House got built. And then one day he's like, yeah, fuck it. Hands in the money. Stocks went up during that whole time and the loan was dead. Isn't was that done. amazing? I was like, that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. You yeah. need money to make money. Right. How crazy is that? It's, a, it, <sighs> it's, it's so funny how, you know, even like a lot of people that have a ton of fucking money are dumb when they like they just buy this massive house or this fucking expensive car like oh yeah i paid cash for it like a lot of people learn once they make a lot of money and lose a lot that no you should have just fucking taken a loan out on that house or taken a mortgage out on that house when you can basically get the money for free yes you're borrowing it for virtually free for nothing for the interest payment for one two percent on your home loan which you could have gotten a couple years ago or on uh on a car loan or whatever 
but no, it, it, and that's and that's it. Like you and I were talking about how I hate debt earlier, mm. right before the podcast. That's because I'm poor. Yeah, I don't like owning anyone anything. Right, I like to know that my balance sheet is just what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't do debt. I pay my, I pay something on my credit card. I pay it immediately. Like I pay it at the store. I come home, boop, 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 paid. Yeah. When I have money, damn right, I'm gonna lever like being able to take advantage of low rates and mm-hmm. be able to make money on cash in the interim that is not a part of my rainy day fund. Right. right when you, when you don't have money, everything's a rainy day fund. Right. But like you have to, you do have. Even if you're someone who doesn't like that, which I inherently don't, mm-hmm. you have to recognize that because when you get to that that layer where it's like, oh, I can make seven percent against two, or nine percent against three, whatever it right. is, you have a spread now. I mean, why the fuck do you think loan sharks are so successful? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's there's some other guy who is like, <laughs> it was legal. It was legal. He wasn't connected or anything perfectly legit guy but he would like take out money on his stock portfolio pay two percent and then loan it out on the street to guys who couldn't get loans for like 15 wow. <laughs> it's just making us perfectly legal yeah. all done through the bank everything yeah, yeah I, it's, it's amazing to me how some people can just make money well i just lost how this lost my headphones take this right here see this thing go like that you see the middle yeah is it back? Audio. Oh, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. Matt Cox was, it was driving him nuts. Was it really? He had a panic attack. Did he really? He was like, he was like mid to, I actually took it out because he was like playing with it for like two minutes and it, was he really? it flew. It, it like was, he's no fucking, one would notice it was there. He is high maintenance. He's like, exactly. He was like halfway through a point. He's like, so then I'm going in to get my social. And, dude, I got to tell you, I fucking hate this thing. <laughs> I got to tell you. I fucking, listen, listen, this is fucking terrible. I, I don't know what, you need to fix this. And I'm like, oh, you got to put it right there. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm real high maintenance. Oh, my. <laughs> God, he's man, dying. But anyway, so sorry. funny. No, that's another, that's another funny. He's a he's a. I love that guy. He's so funny. I mean, that's another thing. He'll he'll. I think everything that motivated him to do everything that he did was his height. You know. Yes. It's, and, a, it's and amazing. His father. It's a, have I talked to you about why are I, maybe I asked this to Matt Cox? Shameless plug for you, by the way. Huh. People should go to YouTube right now oh. and search concrete. Matt, how many podcasts have you had him on? Probably t- uh, 12, roughly, 10 or 12, maybe. And you have him on about all different shit because he's a writer, too. Yeah, all of his, I've, had, I've had him on to talk about pretty much every one of his books that he's ever done. He's – every episode that I – and I haven't listened to all of them for sure. I've probably listened to like four, something like that. They're phenomenal. So yeah. people should check those out. But go ahead. No, what was I saying? Uh, some of the most like murderous or insane – people in american culture or not even just american culture just in the history of the world have been short people yes like charlie manson yep who is the guy the uh the french invader napoleon napoleon five foot two five napoleon foot yeah i i used to i mean there's there's so many of them that are that are all short and i, I asked this to matt and he went on this tirade for like 30 <laughs> minutes on why it is and how that basically you know that was a big part of what motivated him and and you know he's looked into getting fucking leg <laughs> extension surgery he's actually like we went to the website on my podcast and he's like yep i've been to this website i know everything about this website i know everything about this doctor these butchers are fucking cutting into people's femurs and extending them by like two inches bro he's yoked 
Matt, oh yeah, he's super jacked. He's, he's super, jacked. He's like SpongeBob. He's a good-looking dude. He's like SpongeBob when he has the giant arms and he's walking around in his arms. <laughs> I don't know what. Like he's short, but like he made up for it. Like he's got to chill. Yeah, he's got to relax. Yeah, he does have to. He's relax. got gray hair. Like he's got the. He paid for that. He's got the whole bit. Yeah, his hair is great, and he paid. He said he paid eight grand for that hairline. That's it. Phenomenal hairline. Eight thousand bucks, I think. Yeah. In like. Oh, four, oh, five, but yeah. still. And it's fucking kept its shape even after prison. Bro, he's got gray hair. Phenomenal hair. And he's, dude, he's like 50, 54, something like that. Yeah, he's in his mid 50s, I think. Bro, I was not, I had to check that after. <laughs> I'm like, shit. Like, he, like, you're doing all right, man. Like, yeah. good job. Because you're supposed to, like, age, like, fucking crazy in prison but he's one he of the right. he's he's uh he's got something there's something about him he took that opportunity the first time he came on my podcast his podcast was like the most viral podcast i've ever done because he got like that thing hit a million views in like the first two weeks i think i posted it. wow and it just went nuclear but he took that opportunity and fucking ran with it like no other He's turned that into so many opportunities for himself. He was in like three months later, he had these fucking rich dudes flying in Puerto Rico to talk to their company. Like they were paying him to fly. Yeah, he's smart, man. To talk to people. Then he got this promote. He got, he became like a brand ambassador for home title lock. He got paid to, to talk to all kinds of companies, be on so many different podcasts. And I mean, he's built his own YouTube channel. He's got like, 50,000 subscribers. He's making a living off YouTube now. Yeah. And, uh, dude, kudos to him. More he, than that, too. He's, he's really taken that opportunity and ran with it. Look, he capitalized on it. But, like, I'm, I, as, as a human being, like, I'm, I'm proud of that guy, too, because he was, like, a textbook scumbag, mm-hmm. right? Like, just stole people's identities and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was all based out of, pri- as he said, pride-type things, which had to do with his height, had to do with his dad and... and you know, that whole relationship there. But like he is one of the most self-aware people I have ever met in my life. Hmm. He will say things and you've been with him a lot more than me. So I'm sure you can think of a lot more examples than I can, but forget on camera. He said a lot of things on camera that it's like, you'd be like, damn, you're saying that out loud. Like he doesn't care. He'll tell you, this is what's going on up here. I'm telling you, like I'm like the things that he would have, held in when he was a criminal like he says now to to hold himself to it in a way but Mm -hmm. then even off camera like he was taught he talked to me about threshold on the podcast and then we talked about that afterwards like criminal threshold and he's like my criminal threshold is i mean if i'm unless i'm wrong about you it's significantly lower than yours meaning i am willing to everyone is capable of a crime at some point if a mother can't feed her kid and they're on the back road, right. or back corner, like she's going to steal bread to feed the kid, right? Mm. Like everyone's capable of it, as he mm. explained it. But he's like, my threshold is much lower because I have something to prove, mm. right? And so when I got out of prison, even after all that and actually having to reflect on what I did and understand like who I hurt and all that, like it doesn't mean my threshold changed. So I have – in everything I do, I have to be aware of that mm. so that I don't do that again. Or not just that, like something to make money that's not legit. Right. And I'm like, like he was talking about conversations with his PO and I was like, damn, Mm. I'll bet she liked you a lot. Like, I'll bet she was like, wow, 
no one ever says this to me because he was like he's so legit about it. And then he burned the boats. He said, well, how can I make sure I never steal identities again? Well, let me put my face everywhere. Yeah. And people know that this is my exp- I'll never be able to do it right, again. Right. And so he like he's he like set up a bar for himself like, no, Matt, you're not allowed to ever do that again, even if times got really bad. Mm. And it's like burn the bridge. D- exactly. I was like. <clears throat> I, I said that. to him before he got on, before I dropped him off at the airport, I was like, I've never heard someone talk like that before, but good for you. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, I'm super proud of him, man. He really uh he really fucking made something of that opportunity. Nice guy too. Smart, Re- super smart motherfucker. Very guy. smart. He that's the sad thing. He would have been great at anything. Yeah. He would have been sure. great at anything. Yep. Like he could have he could have he he could have gone out to Silicon Valley and started a tech company. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. Like just a, a galaxy brain type yeah. guy. But unbelievable storyteller. He is an unbelievable storyteller. Super articulate, super charismatic, super charming. I got to piss. All right. I'll be right back. We'll, we'll be right back. Bro, I've gone 100 and some episodes whatever it is without actually having a put the bathroom break in there and, <laughs> and i bring the pro podcaster in here the number one podcast i've had in here by a mile and he's like oh i gotta take a piss away to take a break yeah there's no you leave it in there hilarious. man it's fun hilarious you, people like it it's not gonna t- t- turn anyone off you bring something out of my bladder though dude because like i that came out wrong <laughs> <laughs> tell me more julian anyway like when we did your podcast how long was that podcast we did like three and a half hours or so, something yeah it was almost four hours bro we we got done. You're like, damn, bro. We just did like three hours and change. I know, it didn't feel like that long. I never had to stop to go. I have the worst bladder in America. Like I have people. We never hear it. It's yeah. hidden. But like, there's a point, at least one, oftentimes two during the podcast where I'm looking at the guests going, okay, real quick, we're going to the bathroom. We're coming right back. I'm usually really good at holding it, but I'm fucking drinking a Red Bull, a glass of whiskey, and a giant cup of coffee at the same time. We do a lot of uh, liquid on yeah. the show. So I'm sure. like running through me i couldn't hold it any longer we haven't had it i was thinking about this like we always work in alcohol episodes i i don't think about it though it's very natural it's not like oh we need one it's yeah. like it just kind of happens but we haven't done one since i think like episode 86 i don't know there's been how a lot many, of how many episodes, episodes have you done now what number is this 102 or 103 okay something like that so what do you think happens to these podcasts now that uh moving forward if trump gets back in what do you think happens when uh, – do you think YouTube and Spotify and all these companies, they get stricter on us with all this disinformation and censoring and shadow banning and all this stuff? Or do you think it just become, becomes more lenient? What do you think? I have no idea. I, don't I have know what no idea either. But <clears throat> I, look, I, I – I think it's becoming more lenient right now kind of. I think we're kind of like – they're kind of letting off. They're, they're pulling the boot off our neck just a little bit. But – I think Trump's going to get back into office. You do? I think so. If he run, if so. he if he runs, I think he'll make it. I think he'll get in. I think he's in the mind of running. I don't I don't think he'll win. And I look, I I think um I'm very cynical, admittedly. I always have to say that on the political process. I I genuinely have a strong distaste shall we say for pretty much everyone at this point you know if someone really presents me with a politician who's not a total scumbag and there's things to point to i'll be like okay you know like the 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 mayor of miami seems pretty good but he's a fucking mayor you know and 
it is what it is. The guy Joe Manchin is interesting, you know, because he doesn't, he seems at least less beholden towards just like following his party. I have respect for that, but he's been in office a long time, so who the fuck knows? But like, you know, we have a guy who can barely talk right now in office. I think that's very bad. But I think that Trump is, I don't think our country can handle that. They can't handle Maybe, I don't know if they can handle it or not, but who is going to run against him that would win? It's a good question, but like, do you, have you read his blog posts? No. On truth? Where does he post blogs? I, is that his social thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truth social. I don't know if he posts. I'm it's the number to- one app in the app store right now, bro. <laughs> Dead ass. I, I, well, I, I've never been on it. But I don't know if he is posting this stuff on. I don't know how that website works. I haven't been there. But he was posting like these statements from the office of President 45 or whatever. Mm. And they would show up as screenshots on Twitter. I started noticing, I don't know, maybe six, seven months ago. And I'd click them. Like, someone would tweet in my feed, like, look at what he said, or something like that. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, let's see. And I'd read them, and I'd be like, there's no way this is real. This isn't a real statement. And I would go to Google. It's probably not. No, no, no. I check. I'd go to Google, boop, 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 Donald Trump website, whatever, blog, boop, click it. I'd have the screenshot on one tab. I'd look. It's word for word. What's his blog called? I don't even know how to fucking blog. I don't know what the fuck it's called, but dude. This you think st- he's writing on a blog? Dude. No yes. way. No, it's his site. No fucking yes. way. Really? I'm, I'm telling you. No, I'm telling. Like, did you see the one where he put out? And this one, I didn't didn't bother me me as much. It was kind. Of, it was very conceited, but it was kind of funny. Like that when he got a hole in one. I haven't seen that. That was real, right? Now that one that one didn't bother me much because it had no substance to it. It was like, okay, this is him being a troll. But like, he puts out these tweets like the Mother's Day one. Bro, I'm gonna pull this up. I cheat in my business, I cheat on my wife, and I cheat in golf. Now, fuck off. It's a direct quote. It's been, been, been confirmed by two people to me. That's the fucking best quote ever. Yeah, it's... I'm not going to lie, I've plagiarized that a few times on the golf course. Oh, my God. Donald Trump Mother's Day message. Now, mind you, this man, whether he's pissed off or not, he was the president, the most recent president... Of the United States of America. Right. All right. What are we, am so, I watching something right no, now? No, I, I I accidentally pulled up a YouTube video. Donald Trump, Mother's Day message. I want to get the actual image of it. This was a real thing. Oh, yeah, he did. So he did put this one on truth because it, it's clearly a screenshot. And I know that's not Twitter unless someone like photoshopped this. So I assume that's truth. That's probably truth. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day to all, including racist, vicious, highly partisan, politically motivated, and very unfair radical left Democrat judges, prosecutors, district attorneys, and attorney generals who campaign unrelentlessly against you without knowing a thing and endlessly promise to take you down after years of persecution. Even the fake news says there is no case, or at best, it would be very hard to bring. Someday soon, they will start fighting record-setting violent crime. Love you all. Now, click on this guy's link, though. Now let me let me even. He's got a Ukrainian flag in his bio. I understand that, but like this was a real. I already read this statement and checked it. Like not okay. on truth. This is a real statement, okay. right? So, if you say so, Julian. Even no, no. I, I swear I checked it. Even let me take his side for a minute, and let's assume everything he said there is true. 
in what way is that not insane to say? Just like you remember when Biden's office put out the statement. That looks like, like something Elon would tweet. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think my thing's gone off for a second. But like this fucking um, amateur. Imagine. Imagine. I don't know why that's going off because I turned <laughs> that off. But like, imagine if, if like, any president besides him ever tweet like, it's mother. Just say fucking Happy Mother's Day. Just it's not hard. Yeah. He's nuts. Like I, I don't. At this point, I'm like. I'm listening to people. I he's got, got I Moxie. You talk for a minute because I got to turn this He's got fucking Moxie, Julian. He's got Moxie. That's what you're supposed to do to maintain the Twitter clout. You got to talk. You got to come up with some brilliant fucking statement in 120 characters or less that's going to get retweets. That's what it's all about. It's not about fucking just saying Happy Mother's Day. You need the retweets. I understand that. But there's like, and, and that, and by the way, this is one that bothers me less. Like, that's. It's just like such a. It's polarizing. It's a, yeah, it's such a crass thing. Like just, just fucking. All right, if you want to get retweets, put something funny in there that's ridiculous that makes you laugh at it. Like, by the way, like he used to do. I mean, that's like when I talk to people when I do my own autopsy of why at first I liked him, it was because he was funny. He is fucking funny. He is, and and he is. And he's but brilliant now, at trolling the fucking woke. But here's the thing, now. Like it's so it's I haven't laughed in a while at shit he does. Mm. I'm like it's not. This isn't fun. Like this is crazy, you know. Like it should. By the way, it shouldn't be hard to be a foil right now. You have an old man who can't talk in office. It's this is the easiest job ever, mm. especially if you're still interested in office. And he's like, he's like going up to the T and he's turning the other way and firing the drive in the opposite direction. It's like what. What are you doing? I don't my point is I don't think people I think there are enough people who are just like I can't fuck this. I, I can't Yeah, but you still haven't answered my question, Julian. What what was the question? Who would run who could run against Donald Trump and beat him? The fucking guy in Florida will run DeSanto is not gonna run against Trump. Yeah, he will. I don't think he will, bro. Yeah, he will. And you think Trump's base is gonna vote for DeSanto over Trump? No. But I think Trump's base is a lot smaller. I think there are a lot of people. Do you know how, how many- are they? How would they be small? What, what do you mean? Do you know how many people in this country right now, because of a couple issues, are so turned off by anything to the left that they will vote for anything on the right More that makes sense? More people than ever, I think, are turning away from the left right now. I agree. And this is. And by the way, to give some hope to the process, this is how politics has worked over time. Look at. I mean, look at Bush's presidency. 06, 07, 08. Jesus Christ couldn't have beat Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Right? Because right. people were turning away from that. They right. saw they saw the evil that that was at right. the time. It's that they're all on the same team. Like, this isn't... It, we make it left-right because it's the soup du jour of the moment, but they're all the same shit. Like, right. someone does something fucked up and people turn away. So, right. right now, people are turning away. But what I think is this time, they they know what they're getting with him. And now they see it's even crazier. They're like, this guy's out of his fucking mind. There are enough people who are like, this guy's out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah. But I think people like it. It's all about entertainment, you know? It's all about just fucking social media and entertainment and and getting the most possible attention that you, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking popularity contest. That's yeah. another thing. I think that the, the four-year term is crazy. Yeah. Every four years, you got to pick somebody who's never done it before, which is a wild thing to do. Which makes me like, I think the fucking 
the model of Vladimir Putin is better than the every four years. I think you'd rather have somebody for 15 years or 20 years than a new person every four years and just playing the charade over and over again. The problem is he has a li- he has made himself a lifetime appointment. It's not 15, 20. There's no end in sight. Exactly. Ch- there is no there is no term. Right. There, the, the answer is neither. I agree. I agree. Yeah. The answer is and this is by the way perfect parallel in my, in my opinion to the right and left now. Like I truly believe that I really like. The more and more I think about this, and I try to like make sure I'm not leaning into things, so I constantly talk with other people about it because I'm like, well, chew on this and then tell me what you think, and then I want to hear their perspective. You know, people from all across the aisles too. I, I want to. It's not just people who are moderate. I want to hear people who are left and people who are right. But like, I truly believe the most common answers lie in the middle. Mm. I really, I really, really do. Like when you average it out, like look at the top line common sense stuff. Like, ooh, let's not do genocide. Okay, yeah, let's not do that. Like, yes, there's black and white stuff. Very human, humanity, common sense stuff. Right. But like everything below that that's not life and death. People try to make everything life and death, right? But I'm saying like the stuff that is like day to day how people are able to act within a society – I listen to the left and I listen to the right and I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. Mm-hmm. If you won, you're leaving out all these people and telling them to go fuck themselves. If you won, you're leaving out all these people and telling them to go fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. But if the answer were here, none of those people have to go fuck themselves. Right. Maybe some people have a little annoyance once in a while. Yeah. I would vote for DeSanto over Trump 100%. I think that he'd be I, – I mean I, I would hope that he would – if he ran – I would hope that he would run against Trump and beat him. I don't think Trump – I don't like Trump just because of how polarizing he was right. and, and how fucking just just fucking cheap he was in the way that he he polarized everybody and brought everybody against each other just to win, you know, to win. You know, he kind of like played a lot of his base, I feel like. Um there was a bellwether election a few weeks ago too on this. A what? I th- I might have used that term wrong. Like bell I probably used that wrong, but like a a sample election that gives you an idea of where it's not perfect, but it gives you an idea of where people stand. Mm -hmm. Like you can take a small population to say, well, maybe that's extrapolated to a big population. That kid, Madison Cawthorn from North Carolina, the Republican rep who talks to Trump every day and is like a Trumper, like style, everything. He lost. He was an incumbent. He lost to another Republican. Mm, now that's one little district in North Carolina. It's only one place. <clears throat> but he was an incumbent. Young, 26, 27, well-known, huge brand. Mm-hmm. An asshole, but like well-known. Had a lot of vocal attention. Trump model, lost. Right. Interesting. That tells me something. Interesting. But then I see DeSanto now. Like, I think people get pushed to where they are. You know what I mean? Like, DeSanto at the beginning, I love how you call him DeSanto. I do that too. But, like, <laughs> at the beginning, he was so ripped for some of the COVID stuff. And yet he was, I'm not saying he was all right, but he was more right than wrong. Yeah. And the other people. Yeah. And they kept on telling him, You're an asshole. You killed people son of a bitch even though he had like the highest old people vaccination rate compared to like new york california Mm -hmm. all these other high district places and he as a human being what happens 
you get pissed. So then you go farther. And mm. I see him going farther. And I hope, you know, yeah, I hope to not see that. But I feel like that's inevitable with, with the left and right. Like they're always going to go farther. Yeah, it's kind of like you see what gets you success or popularity. And you kind of just like fall into that role or that character and you kind of become that person and then eventually one day you look in the mirror and you're not even looking at the same person anymore you just you just keep reinforcing what gets your base riled up or what gets you makes you more money it's like this is what this is my theory on skip bayless you know skip bayless he is so fucking cringe about like he has like everything he it's always tom brady tom brady tom brady Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, LeBron James He's sick. is the worst. He's sick. And, and it doesn't matter what it is, he'll come up with some bullshit yeah, argument. He's sick. No matter how cringe it is, no matter how ridiculous it is, it's always anti-LeBron, pro-Jordan, pro-Tom uh, Brady. And it's like, even if you had a conversation with the guy in private, that's like, I don't feel like that's who he actually is. But he's become this crazy polarizing sports figure because that's what got him to where he is today. And now he's just – Skip Bayless is gone. Now he's just that guy on TV and he's become what has put him in that position. When people show you who they are, listen. Yeah. This guy wrote a book 30 years ago trying to say like Troy Aikman fucks dudes and stuff. Who did? Skip Bayless. Did he really? Oh, yeah. Troy, <laughs> Troy Aikman can stand in a room with him. Oh, he'll kill him. Okay, and and like he said, know, Troy Aikman, and it's not, guys? And, yeah, and it's not like, you know, he wasn't. It's a tough spot for Troy because he's like, you're making me have to be defensive about something ridiculous that I <laughs> right, also don't right. care. Like, <laughs> like it then it then becomes like an anti-gay thing, which is right. totally unfair to you don't to, even want to, to get gay people. In that. Right? It's it's like how fucking selfish are you doing that? Like, and even if he was, by the way, how fucking scummy are you to do that? Like that's why Peter T. You had on Bubba Love Sponge. That's why Peter Thiel funded Hulk Hogan because they outed Peter Thiel. Gawker did. Yes, I know that. Oh yeah, really? And he said, "Fuck you." Yeah, and it was true. They right? outed, like, they outed like, him for being gay. Like yes. nobody knew he was gay before that. He hadn't been public uh, about it. Oh uh, wow! Right, and so it's not to say he wasn't going to be at some point, mm-hmm. but he did. He wasn't an attention guy, right? And right. they did that to him. And he's like on principle. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. So like, even if it, even if it was true, and it's not, Troy Aikman was very clear. I got a wife. I got kids, and which I guess doesn't necessarily mean whatever. But like, he's a commentator now, right? Yes. Like, like that's who Skip Bayless always has been. I don't give him any energy. He's a scumbag. He's an yeah. awful, awful, awful guy. Like, if you are doing that to make twenty million dollars instead of eight, go fuck yourself. That's why I like you because. You have a similar approach to things. You will do podcasts of a certain type of person and then go over here and not give a fuck. Oh, I went from 500,000 views to 10,000 on this one. I was interested in that one. Fuck it. We're doing it. Oh, my documentaries were doing great. I want to do a podcast now. I'll do it. You're not beholden to shit. Now, you can't totally – if if you didn't make any progress, you have to at some point like you know work with okay, well what things work, but there's a morality to it. Mm. You've never touched that morality. You have always been like I'm Danny Jones. I talk with people. I shoot some documentaries. That's what I do. Mm. I hope you like it. Yeah, that's how I. That's the bar I try to hold myself to. 
So <clears throat> when I see someone like Skip Bayless, even compared to like Stephen A. Smith and stuff, yeah, Stephen A. Smith will still, you know, he knows what he's doing. There's there's an acting element to it. I get it, but he he'll still go in on stuff. Yeah. He'll still come at the smoke. Right. You know, he'll say he's oh, still kind of rational. Yes. Skip rationality is out the window. He's a, he's he's a moron. But he's a very smart. That's the worst part. He knows he is. He's, he's a very smart guy. Moron, yes, right. exactly. He's a very smart guy. He knows exactly what he's doing. I hate that. And he always he would he would rip every single player in the NFL or the NBA for like like Kyrie. He shit on Kyrie for not getting vaccinated on his show, and he was on Fox Sports, and they were just like he he was like the most outspoken guy against whenever players weren't wearing masks or whenever they weren't vaccinated. Skips on his Instagram like. Every time he got a fucking booster, he posted on Instagram. Yeah. The guy's just so cringe, man. He's just, he just he plays on emotions. He's like a Trump. He's like the Trump of sports talk rate, sports yes. talk TV. Yes, I agree. Except he's, he's super far, obviously, left. He plays like... Supposedly. Know. Yeah. Who knows? You Who don't knows know what, what really these guys is. are right. saying. Like, right. you, don't, you know how many people probably... His, his wife looks like him with a wig on. I, please don't say it again. I can't. Come on. She does. Come on. Google her, Ernestine. I see that. Come on. <laughs> you don't think you don't think she looks like him? Ah, oh, come on. I can't. I can't look at that now. <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. I I'm think, gonna be thinking about. Have that you ever now. seen them together in the same room? No. Oh God, damn it. <laughs> it's always Ernestine. There's took, a difference between Ernestine conspiracy and conspiracy theories. <laughs> Six months. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the difference. <laughs> oh, I love that quote. Uh, that is, that's, that's fair. But again, it's like, well, what are you? So what do you think about? the next, the next thing is after podcasts? Mm. What comes after podcasts? Because before, what was it before podcasts? What was the most popular form? Was it, was it pranks? YouTube had, uh, there was always, there was like, there was a whole prank era, like a prank YouTubers. They were the biggest thing. You're thinking of it in YouTube form, which isn't wrong, by the way. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong. I think YouTube will, la will, will last for a while. I, I agree. I, I will, I'll actually say this. I will give YouTube credit. You know, COVID was a wild thing. I'm not giving them credit on some of that, you know, even stuff I disagreed <clears throat> with, but like. Compared to the other platforms, they get a lot of shit. But from what I can see, as far as looking at extreme opinions on the respective sides, they let a lot go relative to the other. Maybe it's like Apple. It's a dwarf among midgets. But I am for such a powerful place. They're fucking owned by Google. Mm -hmm. It's Google, right? right. Like, okay. You know, my exp my expectations are low as fuck. That's right. not good, but, like, that's promising. Whereas, uh, you know, this whole Elon, what it's going to be aside, like, uh, is not what I'd say about Twitter. You right. Know? It's not what I'd say about TikTok. Right. So, you know, it's not the worst thing ever. But I don't know, to answer your question. It's fascinating to me how, how podcasts have just become the thing for media in the past 10 years and it's all it's it's killed mainstream media it's killed the news it's killed mm -hmm. television late night talk shows there's people who get it and there's people who don't that's kind of the that's the crux like i don't know 
if you spent like some time with David off camera or anything, like when you had him down there. But which one? David Satter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, here's a seventy year old guy who came up legacy, you know, Financial Times, the whole bit. He's done a million, does every network, you know, right now. Still. The Donboss Dingaling. <laughs> what? <laughs> the Donboss Dingaling, <laughs> David. <laughs> he was slanging it in the Donboss, bro. All right. This was. I, this I is allegedly. That. This is not. You said that. This is not factual. But like, he was so. Not only was he like so respectful of the process and like so he fucking came here. He like flew home from Paris to like be <clears throat> be on this. I was like, wow, cool. But he was like, Well, this is really cool. Oh, so, like he doesn't do anything like this. Right. But he came up on all the networks and everything. He's like, Yeah, this makes sense. Regard by the way, regardless of shit like he and I talked about that we disagreed on, mm-hmm. like didn't take it personally, he's like, yeah, okay. You know, how many people are like that? Mm. Not my guess, I don't know. I don't know a lot of these people, but like from what I see, see them talk. They're not; those people don't think like that. Yeah, like people from that legacy. Right? No, they you don't. Know? You're right. Yeah, I just always wonder what's next. What's going to be the next thing? Like it seems like this is almost a step backwards. How so? Like because it's so primitive. This form of media. Like look what we're doing right now. We're sitting here for three hours at a table talking about random shit like this is not like it's it's complete reverse of what it was before this before this the whole youtube algorithm was make the videos under five minutes a minute long they have to be super engaging and they have to be over the top this is the opposite of that and this is basically taking over the media landscape so i just wonder what's going to be the next fucking thing and it's always the least obvious thing i'm going to push back on that actually what when did you discover youtube like actually start when, going on it. when it probably 2006 when it like came right out when it came out yeah okay so you were day one when i got the iphone one and it was pre-installed on it so 2007 <clears throat> me using it extensively you were earlier right like i i mean i was on it a couple of times but i didn't like wasn't like oh youtube i would say probably for me 2009 2010 is when i started to use it heavy and mm-hmm. you know what i started using it for documentaries watching documentaries yes really now these would be playlists of a bunch of 40 minute ones i watch back to back to back or sometimes Mm -hmm. it'd be like a two three hour one what do a lot like what are a lot of your concrete podcasts so that's what i'm doing now i'm watching documentaries on youtube yeah i'm just 20 years late still but they're relevant they're more relevant than ever right i was probably a little early to it but like what are what are pocket when you have on a guy like john it's telling a wild story, right? Right, right. I think you said it yourself. You're like, it's a it's a documentary without the editor or whatever. It yeah, didn't really that, change. That's what it is. But were documentaries really the thing on YouTube in the truth in the two thousands? Dude, they weren't the thing. There's a lot of things. But they were big. These things had views. Yeah, but when you think of like the whole the whole explosion with influencers and shit. And you got to have a podcast. You got to have, you know, you obviously you have the TikTok, you have the uh, Twitter, the Instagram, blah, 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 blah. But now everybody has a fucking podcast. Like if you want to be big on YouTube, you got to have a podcast. Before it, it was, it was something before podcast. What was it? It was like vlogs before vlogs. What was it? Pranks. Everyone was doing pranks and there was no podcast. No one How many people heard stick of a podcast? With it, 
How many people stick with it? Yeah. Of like those people. Very few. Very few. Like, I'm very impressed with Logan that he, like, they weren't good at that. At Do first. you like his podcast? Do you listen to his podcast? Yes. Not all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a different vibe. Mm. I I like it. I, I think I heard some of the early ones and they were not good. But like the thing I've learned about Logan Paul, you know, he's like anyone else. He's not perfect. But I, I like Logan Paul a lot because when he says I'm going to put my mind to something and do it, he does. And like this is not – he's a very talented guy. But like hosting a podcast is not towards the top of his list of natural talents. Yeah. But he's – you know, and he has a couple other people there. But like they do a good job. Like it's engaging. Yeah. It seems like the – it seems like it's one of his top priorities. Yes. And he's – how many episodes is he in now? Who knows? A lot. No clue. Right? Like they have put their money where their mouth is. I respect that a lot. Yeah. How many people do that? Right. You know, like does David Dobrik have a podcast? He's going to be the next president. He's going to be president one day, isn't he? Logan? Logan? Yeah. Logan Paul. President of the United States. I would never bet, purposely bet against Logan. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I, I actually became a fan because I'm not a vlog guy. Right. The only time I've ever watched vlogs is to study how great content creators have pulled it off now mm. since I've become one. I never watched a fucking – prior to 2012, I never fucking watched a blog. Yeah. What about Casey Neistat? You never watched any of his never, vlogs? Really? Ever. He has some of the greatest vlogs. I've seen some now. But, like, I was never a blog guy. Mm-hmm. But, like, I became a fan of Logan after the Japanese forest thing. Mm. Because I could tell he had done something wrong, for sure. Like, that was that was not smart. What did he do, exactly? If I'm remembering correctly, he was in the suicide forest in Japan. And they came across a guy hanging... F- like who had hung himself he was literally and he showed from it? a tree he showed it on youtube and he, and he reacted to it like he was vlogging during the time and then oh this will be a great thumbnail yeah and he kept and it was re- like his reaction i th- if i remember correctly was like pretty you know he was struck by it. it wasn't like oh let me totally act here but you know to yeah. then actually All afterwards right. think about it and upload that wasn't smart right but I'm like, the dude is 22 years old. Exactly. He's been working since he was 14. He's still 22. Right. 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 We do stupid shit. Oh, yeah. And like, you could, t- yes, was part of it, oh, I got caught in something I didn't think about? Yes, that's human nature. But like, I saw that, and then he launched a podcast shortly after. I'm like, you know what? I respect this guy working. He's trying. Yeah, he's He's keeping his head down. He and he has recognized a million times that was he he says like it wasn't just that. There were other things I was doing in my life at that point that were not smart. Right. Like I was my head was a little filled. Yeah. Right? And I respect that. Like I was an idiot at twenty two. I was a fucking I was an idiot at twenty four. <laughs> I was a fucking moron. Yeah. Like I can't imagine as much as I regret not getting to my thing earlier, I can't imagine doing this mm. at twenty two. Mm-mm. Holy fuck. Oh my god. I'd be in prison. Dude, I was such a loser in my 20s. Like I wasn't doing anything. I mean, you, I, I was doing some shit, but I wasn't like You were making content. I was making tons of content. Yeah, I, I guess I was doing stuff. But if I think about if I think back now about how fucking dumb I was, I'm still 
an idiot. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Weren't you trained by the Pirates of the Caribbean guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For underwater cinematography. All right, yeah, yeah, I'm going to correct you on this. So, but l- I was still an idiot. What, let's talk about it. I don't care. This was a serious talent. So you, at what point did this happen? Well, I was working on, I was working on Dolphin Tail. Dolphin Tail 1. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, 2011, maybe before, 2010, 2000. Right How old were you? I think like the movie came out in 2011. Or were you like 22 working on it? Yeah, early 20s. Yeah, 22, 23, probably. Because you had shot, you had said you shot a lot of surfing videos where you used whatever that fucking thing was Yeah, the water housing. And, yeah. I started working on Dolphin Tail, and I met this guy, Pete Zuccarini. And it's weird how that the film industry works. Because every single, the union runs everything in that business. And every single job is protected by the union. So the underwater cinematography job is one of the highest paying rare skills that you can have in the movie business. Mm. So, and there's only a small amount of them. Pete, the guy I met, shot every single one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So he's the goat. He's the goat of underwater cinematography. 100%. He's also shot a handful of Harmony Korine's movies. I don't know if you know Harmony Harmony Korine is, but he's one of the best filmmakers in the What's world. What's his name? Ever. Harmony Korine. How do you spell the last name? K-O-R-I-N-E, I believe. I think there's an E. But he made Spring Breakers. He made Beach Bum. Okay. Gummo. I'm not familiar with the name. Cult filmmaker. He. You never, you never seen Beach Bum with Matthew McConaughey? Maybe. He, Sometimes I'm bad He's with a titles. fucking genius. No, it says it says uh, he directed a ton of Gucci Mane videos. I didn't, I didn't see it. Interesting. Directed music videos for Gucci Man. Um, he's a fucking god in filmmaking. Anyways, him and his kid go to school together. He so Pete was working on Dolphin Tail. He was the underwater cinematographer for Dolphin Tail. And me and Pete were like we had so much in common. We both grew up on the water. Both love fishing, surfing everything on the water um and i was gravitated towards him and i was obsessed with everything he was doing i was always asking him a million questions he was helping me out showing me his cameras and what he was you know the the type of things he was shooting showing me how he built he for dolphin tail they had to build an underwater housing that was the size of a fucking volkswagen it because we the movie was filmed in 3d so we had this crazy 3d red camera rig that was enormous and they had to have a giant water housing that they had to build us a custom dolly just to move it around this guy's filmography by the way i have it up behind you oh do you really absurd oh oh yeah 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 bro it's insane it's fucking insane life of pi what a crazy movie that whole movie was shot in water avatar 3 coming up avatar the way the water coming up he shot avatar he's been shooting avatar 3 for 10 fucking years bro black panther the second one coming up Uh, he's been working he's been working on avatar since probably 2013 i think fast and furious 9 yeah i'm I'm going through the best names is a legend he's a legend spider-man i did a podcast with him in the on an island (laughs) off key biscayne oh that was the guy in miami you did that with yes Yo, we took his boat out to, to a that. fucking island with downtown Miami in the background. Oh, yo, he did. He did Deepwater Horizon too. Oh yeah, he. 
right. Any movie that has the water element in it, there's like a 50% chance that he filmed it. Anchorman 2. Oh, he did. Magic City was an underrated show, by the way. Yeah. Underrated show. He did that. That's awesome. That was about Miami. The guy who looks like underwater Javier Bardem, but isn't underwater director of cinematography is the proper title. Or one, on, uh, he did 127 hours. Dear John, Bre- look Breaking Bad. Oh, he did Breaking he Bad. He filmed the pool. He filmed a pool scene in Breaking Bad. Remember the yo, memory? yo, that's like one of the best scenes of the whole show. Yep, yep. when she falls in the pool and she yes. Did, yep. Dude, this guy's done everything. They flew him out to Arizona just for that fucking scene. How fucking wild is that, man? This so this guy. is like your boy. Oh yeah, he's sick. Yeah, they, people Google his Google his filmography. Just like Into the Blue. I don't know if you've seen Into the Blue, but that's Paul a great Walker, yeah of with course. Paul Walker, Jessica, Jessica Alba. Alba. Yeah, fuck yeah, I love that movie, bro. Jessica, that was Jessica Alba at her. Oh my god. Yeah. So Pete is the man. <laughs> Pete rules. I love that guy. Yeah. Um. R.I.P. Paul Walker too. Yeah. He told me some crazy stories about Paul Walker. But I'm, like I'm not what? gonna. I'm not gonna talk about him on. I will talk about him off air. You can't. Do Paul that. was trying, a. I do that sometimes. Yeah. I try not to do that. Yeah. You're better. Than I don't want to air out Pete after we just talked him up. We just put him on a pedestal. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to talk. I don't want to break him down. I don't want to. Yeah. You, you can't. Know, he, you can't break confidence. People. Yeah. You can't, you can't break. break you can't break confidence. Nope. But Paul. Paul was kind of a crazy person. Um. I've heard. I've. I've heard he was. A, everybody's he, got their shit. He though. was a. Um. What's the term someone used? I forget who was telling me this. He was a. He was like an action junkie. I mean that's how he died. I yeah, mean, maybe. He was, he well, yeah, he died. Yeah, he died yeah. driving a Porsche. Yeah, like, and he was 100 miles an hour. Right? It was like was they he were, the passenger or was he the driver? I don't remember, but they were saying like the Fast and Furious series had yeah. like a truth of mm. his existence in like a parallel universe. Oh, of course, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Or it created it in him. One right. of the two. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I didn't know him. <laughs> but yeah, Pete. Uh, I became really close friends with Pete. He taught me a shitload. That that working on Dolphin Tail One was like my film school. I learned so much, including the fact that I did not want to work in the film industry. Why? Because those guys, their lives are so remote. And uh, one of the guys that was working on the movie named Mickey, he was a camera assistant, and uh, I was like his personal slave for most of the movie i basically whatever he i he need i he needed i would do and he put it the best possible way for me he says because they make so much fucking money what what does a great one make on a film on one film like let's say these guys much shoot these guys make these guys that the guy that holds the slate like yeah, that yeah those guys make like fucking 10 grand a week not bad yeah, it's pretty fucking good. And that's like low end of the totem pole in the camera department. If you're an underwater cinematographer, you're making upward who knows? I mean, you're making like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a week and it never ends. And you and you're fucking going to the craziest parts of the world, like working with these people and doing the coolest shit swimming in the fucking middle of the Indian Ocean or the Sounds Red Sea. Sounds great. <laughs> dude, I mean it's like this one guy, he this guy Mickey, who was the camera assistant, he came directly to Dolphin Tail from filming The Dark Knight. Oh wow! And and he, what the way he put summed it up the lifestyle of those guys is they're carnies with dental plans. They're carnies, mm. but they make a fuckload of money. But they never see their families. They're never home. Mm. They have no life outside of that 
you know, traveling, working on movies in different locations. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's fucking fun, especially if you're a young guy. It's got to be an incredible lifestyle, but I don't know how it ends up, you know, that that can't be good for later in life and trying to have a family and have kids. And a lot of these guys are going through divorces and aren't happy with their lives because they're in their late fifties or sixties. I mean, few of them make it through and, and still maintain relationships with their significant others or their kids because they have the money or the means to fly them out to every single movie they're working on. Especially if you're fucking Johnny Depp, you could basically bring your kids, your whole family with you everywhere you yeah. go. But it's another level of money. Yeah. It's yeah. another level. But um, good for you. But it's like it's like working. That. It's like working on a construction site. Mm. It's the same thing as working construction because it, I don't know if you ever worked construction before, but there's basically. I, didn't. I was a caddy. There's a yeah. You were a caddy. I forgot about that. Joe Biden. Um, Never caddy for Joe. Caddied for some people he knows. But Joe was around here. You went to the same high school as Joe, right? I did. Yeah. It's baller. Interesting. Baller. They let me in there. That's all I'm saying. But it's, uh, working on movies is a lot like working construction. And Pete got me into well, he didn't get me into. I was already into it, but and he personally he, he reinforced you? my cinema, cinematography, especially underwater. He personally trained you with that. Personally trained me. Well, he, yeah, I guess legitimately trained me for sure. That's awesome. It's like being trained by Michael Jordan. Yeah, to play basketball. He's, yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure he filmed Michael Jordan's documentary. <laughs> Come on. He filmed the. Uh, does he does he do more than just underwater too, or? Uh, I think he has ventured out into being like a normal DP. Like not, I think he has filmed movies where he's, it's not specifically underwater where mm. he's the actual DP. Mm. But um, I mean, his specialty is water, water stuff. What makes that besides the fact that you're literally fucking underwater and, and handling not a gravity situation. It, it doesn't have to be underwater. It can be a scene where the camera is not even in the water. It could be just above the water. If there's any mm -hmm. element of water, it's everything. He's got to be there. Wow. Yeah. But what when you're actually underwater, though, what makes it, besides the obvious of like, hey, you're fucking underwater and it's water, not gravity and all that, like, and you're handling this big thing. But above ground, you're handling big things, too, like, yeah. very often. You're not just doing handhelds, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, what makes it, what makes it so highly skillful to be able to do it when someone above land who does cinematography very well like phenomenal above land yeah can't if they're not trained well first of all i mean he is he's an outdoorsman i think before anything i mean the guy is the guy could probably hold his breath for five minutes he's <laughs> he's been scuba diving his entire life he's been he was born and raised in miami and since he was a kid, he's been jumping in the in the in Biscayne Bay, fucking filming fish, and not only free diving but scuba diving as well. Mm. The guy knows the ocean like no other. He knows he's trained when it comes to scuba diving. And then when you combine when you combine his comfort with the ocean, with the liability of being on set of a fucking multi million dollar movie and the unions, you need somebody like him. And the union protects that. Like they, they're not just going to take some some filmmaker and throw him in the water and say, "Hey, just you know, sit in the water, you'll be fine." Like, yeah, no, yeah. the union has people like him for that job, and that's what makes it makes it such a valuable position. Were you in the union? No, I was not. 
Wait, did they ask you, you have to come to, in? You have, no, you have to really put in your time to be in the union. You got to really cut your teeth. Like you got to beg to be an assistant on movies. And you can build relationships with these guys. And and like I could have built – I could have stayed and you know begged Pete to fucking carry his lunch pail with him everywhere he went. And I probably w- could have eventually made it into the union. But that's not the path I really wanted to go in my life. Like I didn't want to – I didn't want to be – because I had already done that. I had already I had already traveled all over the world filming shit and and going to various locations. I didn't at that point in my life. I just didn't want to. I knew that I wanted to create my own content. And I knew the internet. I knew I wanted to publish it on the internet. Mm. Eventually, I was already publishing some stuff on the internet. I was already already doing like short films and and little videos here and there on YouTube and. I didn't just I didn't see it playing out going that route in life. You strike me as a really like spending time with you off camera too, like just your approach. Number one, you're a very, very easygoing guy. And when that comes to like your professional life, you like you genuinely like having a good time and having freedom, it seems like to me. Yeah, so freedom definitely is the most important thing to me being in environments where there's a million moving pieces and different people who all have the little piece of the cog of the wheel. Right. 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 I think you'd be the kind of guy who's like, Oh God, no, that's a great way to put it. You actually, you actually nailed it. I didn't want to be a cog in the wheel. I wanted to do my own thing. And when you're working on a movie set, you're a cog in the wheel. I mean, look, you, you came off of it and like the, the content you created on your own. I low budget by yourself. Like and don't get me wrong, if I amazing. could, if I could say I'm going to end up and I'm going to be the next Pete Zuccarini, I would 100 percent fucking done that. But it's so rare to become a guy like him. You know what I mean? Like, and you're, you're. But the trade off too. He is so fucking good, and he's made such, he's made so much money, and he's got a great life. He's got kids. He's got his whole family. And does and he see them? He makes. Oh yeah, he he actually does. He's so top of the food chain. He gets to pick and choose the movies he works on. And his family, he, he's got the means to bring his family wherever he wants to go. He's in L.A. working on Avatar for six months of the year. He fucking buys a house in L.A. and bring, moves his family there. How old is he? He's probably, Roughly. I think, he, I want to say early 50s, maybe late 40s. How long do you think it took him to get to that point? Like, did he do the first Pirates of the Caribbean? Like, was he there from I'm the beginning? I'm pretty sure. I mean, you can look it up on IMDb, yeah. but I'm pretty sure he did the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Okay. He's been doing it his whole life. I think he, I, I'm not sure exactly... In my podcast, he probably talks about when he first started or when his first movies were. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I got. I got. I'm very. Interested it's a good in one. It's a short one too. It's only like an hour, I think. But there's like oh, lots of B-roll guy, like, and shit. We like we took while. his boat out to this fucking island because you were on the island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like a special one. Yeah, it was a super special one. Let me see if he was on the very first. I kind of assumed he was, but that was a while. That was 2003. Mm. Pirates of the Car. Yeah, Curse of the Black Pearl. Curse of the Black Pearl, 2003. So he was, let's see, uh, how old was he at the time? Does it have birthday? Look, there's my video. If you Google his name, my podcast is the first video. Oh, it comes, that's pretty sick. I can't get his age. But I guess if he's, let's say he's like 53, 2003, 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that means like by 34, that's not crazy late. That's pretty early to like yeah. be like, 
on top dog. You know what I mean? Right. Like once you make that movie, it's like, oh shit, that guy. Right. You know what I mean? For sure. So he's getting paid a lot of money. He has the means to move his family around. You right. can't count like you can't tell me he knew that like yes, Johnny Depp's attached, it looks awesome, but like you can't tell me he knew that was gonna become like a fucking conglomerate. Yeah, right. You know? Probably not. Probably not. But wh- which one's your video? It's the it's the first video on Google. This one right here? No, no, it's a picture. Keep scrolling down. Right there. Up, 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 up. Right here. Look oh, this there. is you. That's me. All right, so if I play this, you're not going to block me. For no, I'm not going to block you, bro. Privacy. Just make sure. Got to check on my people. Let me turn the... Uh... That's my. That's podcast number 34, Julian. Let me check my sound. Get it on our headphones. Number 34. No, not... Starting at just $40. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 15. Sign up today. All right, let's get rid of this ad. Buy your own, you know, your underwater camera. Oh, you did. People's lawns on what the, the island. Fuck? So and and then. All right, skip the three. So this is this is more of like kind of like a mini documentary slash podcast. The so cut in B roll. Oh, this is amazing. I bought a pen. This isn't a podcast. And Ike housing. Okay. And that was my first camera, and I shot a lot. This is how all podcasts be done. Lens. And I learned a lot about underwater photography in those days. Look at him, full like, scuba so suit. Like you, like, you I have it in the corner of the screen, like too, for people okay. watching. Obviously, there's a point where anyone picks up a video. I lost my voice the I was going to say, how much this. weed did you smoke before this? <laughs> what clubs did you go to the night before? <laughs> Zero. We drove there, and we were there and out the same day. I don't believe you. I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there, and I know that there's some people out there doing some beautiful stuff. He's such an interesting dude, bro. So fucking interesting. Look at this. interested in... Dude, yeah. this is features, which is what I've been doing mostly the last few years. But, when you um, were talking, all right, I'm gonna turn this up. People, check this out. It's called the Art of Underwater Cin- Cinematography. It's Concrete Podcast Season One, Fifteen, but it's number thirty-four. I don't know okay. why it's, it's because I had to delete a bunch of podcasts. Why? That Maller guy. He was on a bunch of my podcasts, and I deleted them all. Why? We had a we had an agreement. What happened there? I ended up selling him the series. I created a whole series for uh, uh, called Life for Sale on YouTube, and then we had a disagreement, and then I ended up selling the whole thing to him, including there was like 10 podcasts that we had done together. Oh, you included just, that. There was like 15 podcasts maybe me and him had done together, just me and him, and uh, I gave them all to him. I sold them all to him. To him. You still talk with him today? Every once in a while. Not every day. I used to, talk to, I used to live with him. I lived in his house for like a year. Oh, shit. Yeah. But you still have a relationship. That's good. Uh, not, I wouldn't call it a relationship. We're friendly. We still talk. We still still talk to his kids and a lot of people that work for him. I just saw him at a funeral a couple weeks ago. That sucks. Yeah. I hate, I hate when business gets in the middle of like cool shit. I do everything I can to not let that happen. But it's happened. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, stuff like, like that. I mean, it happens with... You know, when companies like Barstool bring up big podcasts like the Call Her Daddy podcast, and then all of a sudden these girls who had nobody knew who they were, yeah. and they had this opportunity to build a huge following, and they had all these assets at their disposal to to build it, and they got paid for it. Now they've outgrown the nest, and they want to fly away and do their own thing. Well, you can't you can't blame them for that. You but, can't blame them, but they also – Dave played that hand beautifully because he took care of them. Yeah. Like he had no contractual obligation 
to come in and, and be like, wow, you guys are really outperforming your contract. He had no obligation to do that. But right. the right thing to do right. would be to do that. Right. And he did. Now, they were still underpaid relative to what it was. I think he came in mm-hmm. and he gave them after whatever it was, nine months or something. Mm-hmm. He went from 75K base salary to roughly, for Alex, it was like 500K. Oh, wow. You know all the de- plus, details on this. Oh, yeah. I was all over this. When this was, I was like, whoa. So I forget what the percentage – he changed the percentages and he gave them possession of IP at the end of the contract. Like wow. he gave them a lot and it's all verified and he said it publicly. And the girl – the one girl – and I, I guess no one really knows but the one girl, Sophia, she had another guy in her ear who was like, you're getting fucked. Fuck. He was a suit and they, called, they literally called him suit man. It was her boyfriend and she just wanted more and more and more. And how much Alex was in on that, I guess we'll never know. But eventually, at least Alex was like, fuck that. And Alex played it. She ended up playing it really like she's a businessman, man. She's a businesswoman, man. Yeah. Like she it's a common it. theme. It's a common yeah. theme in, in media when that happens. She played it beautiful. And like, <clears throat> it kind of like, I wasn't a listener of the show. Someone had pointed out to me maybe towards the beginning and i was like wow like i knew how to respect it and be like all right this isn't what i would listen to right but they're funny and they're really good yeah they i'm like really okay good. they they're, they're they're doing a great job so i listened to like three when they sent it to me and then i never listened to it again and then that shit happened and then when i would check it out like after to see what it was like it's obviously way different mm-hmm. so there's always a trade-off you know like that definitely change the whole course of the value of what the actual show was about I yeah think. You know, yeah, they're kill. I mean, she's killing it on her spot. I think she she got like how much money did she got like 60. like sixty million dollars. How fucking crazy is that? Not crazy when you look at her numbers. What are her numbers? They were insane. Really? I don't remember them offhand. But of what they fucking said, wild. we don't even know. I love before. Spotify. Hey, look, Spotify's done a good job, man. They re- and I think they're coming. I think they're coming for YouTube. I think they're going to keep YouTube honest. There's a tab now called Video Podcasts. On YouTube? On Spotify. Oh, yeah. Right. Not on YouTube. And they do, vi- yep, they do video. They do do video. Have you thought about putting yours on there? My All mine are on there. They're just not video yet. Not video. It's, yeah, they're in the process. They're in the process of transitioning to video at the moment. I just talked to, I, I just talked to the lady at Spotify. I had a conference called the lady at Spotify two days ago. Really? Yep. How'd that happen? I emailed them. I mean, they, they talk to me. They communicate with me. They they bring me sponsors. They yeah, they're helping me transition the whole fucking. You and me are gonna talk <laughs> off camera, you motherfucker. They ha- <laughs> they're in the process of transitioning my entire podcast on Spotify into video. I'm, I'm, really? I'm, yeah, I'm replacing all the episodes with the video versions. To be continued. We're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna Hell discuss yeah, man. this. Okay. They're yeah, coming I'm, for YouTube, bro. They're I'm, coming for YouTube's throat. So YouTube, I hope you hear this. I do demonetize my, an ass. I do my best, but I don't. Uh, All the money I, is I way more transparent. I consider myself very clueless with the podcast business. Yeah, very clueless. I was too for a long time, but I mean, it's it's a learning process, just like anything. But you can make you can make a fuckload of money by if you have if you can, if you have the audience. Like that's the thing I like about Spotify is every single one of the episodes of the podcast it's consistent on Spotify. Yes. Within a few thousand. Yes, literally everyone. YouTube, yep. 
fucking caution to the wind. Good luck. If the algorithm likes the video and you get enough, if you get enough click throughs or people like your thumbnail, then your video will do good. The one, Spotify, it's it's not it's not like that. The one thing I don't understand about YouTube, and I know they're trying, but it makes me wonder, like, how out of control is the power of the algo? Like, they don't. The algorithm doesn't know how to adjust different lengths of content. So, like, my channel, this is why I really admire how you built yours. And if I had my choice, and I didn't have a choice because I'm not a great documentarian and all that. But, like, if I had my choice, I would have built my channel your way. Because you built with some feature content that had some length to it. Mm. Right? For me, it's very simple. It's all on me. I get my whatever views. They send very few of my subscribers the videos into the feed. Right? I get my few thousand views on a video. I do bigger numbers on on audio that's always been i'm sure the way. you do way bigger numbers on spotify and itunes than you do on youtube yeah they're they're I, not not including the shorts way bigger like not twenty thousand. not including the shorts yeah not including shorts i'm saying like it's not twenty thousand more but yeah you know like will will i do five figures on on spotify and apple yes like that happens but on youtube all the episodes that get a fuck ton of views are because I made shorts that went viral that had a link on them. Mm. That's it. So YouTube then doesn't go, oh, wow, people are coming to this episode and commenting and like it. I think we'll start sending. No, they don't do that. So the shorts actually did drive traffic to the long Thousand percent. What about TikTok? It's a different app. The conversion rate. The conversion rate of a YouTube short compared to a TikTok for one conversion on YouTube, on, for for one view on YouTube at a conversion rate of X, I need a thousand views on TikTok mm. for a conversion rate of the same. Wow! Else. Like Luisa, the big video, and there were there were four with him that did well. The big one though that did eighteen and a half million on TikTok, nineteen whatever it was, something up there. That same video did, I think, like six and a half million at this point on YouTube. The short or the full? Yes, the short. Okay. The same video, short and TikTok. Yeah. 18 and a half on TikTok, six whatever on on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I think YouTube, out of the views that happened that week, YouTube accounted for 85, 90% of them. Wow. And it had one third of the views. Might have been more than that. Because people have to change apps. Yeah. And but and like I even have the genius link in there now. I didn't have that for a long time. The genius link makes people when they go to my bot if they actually take the think about all the effort of that. Asking someone, you're on your feed on TikTok. There's a million videos coming up. You didn't choose it. It's just based on your preferences. Now you liked my video. Cool. Thank you. Now take the effort. Click my profile. Go there. Click another link. Wait for it to load. It takes two seconds to load. Right. Click that, whatever the prompt is. Go there and now interact with my co- – that's a lot of effort. Whereas if you're on YouTube, you're already there. Yeah, it's a hustle, man. It's still more effort, but like – you're you're there. Yeah. So like Genius at least set gives them the prompt that says open in the YouTube app. Yes or no. Right. So I lose 50% of people right away who are like there's another prompt I'm out. Okay. But instead of people clicking and it's just a internet page on yeah. TikTok where they can't hit subscribe, now the people who actually click through, which is 50% less probably cuz right. they have an extra click, right. they're already on their YouTube. So if they want to hit subscribe True. or hit a video, they can. True. And it's way, they make it way easier to subscribe on the YouTube Shorts. 
Yes, because you're there. Yeah, the big there's a big fucking red button you're on there. every single short. Right, you're there. Right, so like it's a gift and a curse. Yeah, fuck TikTok, man. T- TikToks they really TikTok likes inane, inconsequential content. Mm-hmm. That's it. They don't anything that provokes thought. They will t- when someone's running with it, they'll take it and be like, okay, that was useful. <clears throat> Fuck you. Mm-hmm. They don't like it. I got banned for hate speech for ripping Nazi Germany. That's insane. That's like isn't it true that criminal? Isn't it true that China like turned turned TikTok off after a certain hour for young kids? I believe so. Yes, and their TikTok's entirely different. It's all like educational. It's all educational. Kids, which is like the how que- crazy is that? It's the question of communism versus free democracy, right? Like, give me free democracy all day, obviously, but this is where. This is one of the few places where it's like, fuck, they're winning there because they can ban content and not give freedom of content choice to They have kids. a way better education system than we do too, right? I don't know enough about it to comment on it. I've heard they have better education. I assume, but I don't, I don't know enough right. to comment on it. How could we ever know? Yeah, how could you? We couldn't. We just take people's word for it. That's the other thing. Like We do that for everything. Everything. David Satter, fucking John Kiriakou. Yeah, fair. Any guest, all of them. Bustamante, mm-hmm. Jim DiOrio. That's oh, the thing. That's the thing I wasn't on the boat with Captain Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's the thing. That's the thing about podcasting. It's just taking people's words for it. But when you're making a documentary and you're there with your feet on the ground, like the early days of Vice, when they would go like like heavy metal in Baghdad, where they would go to Baghdad and like fucking go to these death metal show, like and, and in the middle of these firefights and like there's a there's a difference between being there and filming something than just talking about it on a microphone can you spot it though at this point spot what like do you feel like sitting in the seat you are no you can't tell not really i think sometimes more than others but by and large not really some people are really good matt cox could be fucking selling me you know, he he could be making everything up, and he's so charismatic and so articulate and so charming. The way he communicates it, I would never know the difference. Mm. I don't know. I I think I haven't really had people blatantly lying here, to my knowledge. I could be wrong, but yeah. I haven't really had that. But I've had people, plenty of people, just based on whether it's what's in their feed or what's been going on in their life, where they're clearly blind to some things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're not, they don't realize, like they're not self-aware to X, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like I had good training in my career to have to spot that for sure. So I had like a learned skill of that, but doing this headphones on straight across darkened out room, nothing but me and you not phones on airplane mode, chilling, it's definitely gone to a new level. And then I have the, by the way, I have the benefit of watching the video afterwards. Sometimes right. when I'm doing a short, I mean, you watch me today editing something quick. Yeah. I watch someone say the same thing just through the edit right. a million times in a row. That's something that you need to work on. That's something that I learned. That's a, a lesson that I learned working on documentaries and working on movies is like watching you make that clip earlier. You did probably what, 50 takes on on that one clip you were talking about and he he said 
once you have a good one, you just got to fucking stop. I didn't think I had a good one though. You had plenty of good ones before. It only took it don't, that. In fairness, you're right. In on that one, in fairness, that you, clip was six minutes. And when you're editing, yeah, right. You're editing a six minute clip, and you did fifty takes. You only once you have one, maybe two decent ones, then you just fucking stop. It's about time. And then when you're editing, and you come to editing is different. Editing, you can obviously you can watch all the takes. Yes, but even sometimes when I'm editing. I find one good take if I'm trying to like it's different with commercials. There's no takes. I mean, it's different with documentaries. There's no takes in documentaries. You're it's just like you're videotaping what happens. But in commercials, when you're going for something, and even when I'm editing, like I'll find the first good take in the editing, and I know there's 80 more. I'm gonna stop. I'm not gonna fucking spend my not, my all my time trying to find the best one. I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna move on to the next thing. Like that's, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, it's all about, I mean, you obviously have more to lose the more money that's at stake. Obviously you, you don't have much at stake here. You're fucking doing this all, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're funding yourself. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a big lesson is managing your time when it comes to that's right editing and filming, especially when you're trying to come up with a super captivating short for YouTube. You saw a really small piece of that today, but you really... I agree with you a thousand percent. I think that's something I work on all the time. Cause that's I'm a, hard to do too. I'm OCD. Yeah. Like I don't ever want to have a doctor diagnose me. I ain't going on any fucking pills. Fuck that shit. Yeah. I ain't doing that. Right. But I have, I, I don't like self-diagnosing, but like I'm definitely on the higher end of the spectrum of OCD. Like mm -hmm. if people would be sick if they saw how I edit some of this stuff, but I have been trying to drill myself and maybe I didn't do it. Maybe I should look at that. Maybe I didn't do a good enough job today when you saw that one today. But like I have been trying to drill myself to be like, you're turning on this camera once. You're not, you're not coming back here, plugging it in, mm -hmm. uploading it and saying, oh, I wasn't, no, that, I, I twitched there. No, no. Right. This is one clip. You're right. Trying, like what you saw today, if I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit, you might have seen me turn this on, upload this, and do it three times. Whereas today, and maybe that was because you were here too, and you were like, no, that one was good. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone knew that was good. Maybe I would have failed. But like, I do try to tell myself, Julian, you have one you have one time to mm -hmm. do this. That's why, and like, this is probably stupid, but that's why I take more time each week and I make myself do those intros in one take. Yeah. So the second I fuck something up, right from the top, because like it trains me to be like, you have to get it right. And you have one shot to do it, right? Which is a little counterintuitive on that one, I'll admit. But yeah, like the theme, I try to do that because I'm not good at that. I have a big weakness there. Like I'll be like, well, no, that one. Well, no, that. Like I'll sit there with f five or six different songs as a potential on on a fucking track when it's a good when it's a really good clip. Yeah, and I'm it's like, different. god damn it, yeah, they all work. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know your pain. Like even like with something like Deckhands, I would spend. I would spend a whole week trying to find the right music just for one piece of a one piece of the documentary, just for one five minute segment. I would spend a week just searching Reddit for the right type of right type of clips or right type of music for that. And Fucking unbelievable documentary, by the way. Thank you. I know I've said that, but people, deckhands, concrete with a K, just it's six parts. Go watch it. It's fucking amazing. For the podcast, what's helped me the most is being able to optimize the process of it mm. being able to turn it into a machine 
where I don't have to edit, where I don't have to go back and watch it and fucking cringe, you know, w- watch my cringe self talk to somebody and fumble and stutter through words. That's made it so much more easy. It's made it easier for me to do. And it's made it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at, but I guess it's just saved me time. And it's, if I had to go back and watch every single episode and edit every single episode, I would have quit. I I wouldn't have fucking want, I, I don't like doing it. I feel like, like it's not, it's not fun for me to go back and watch what I already did and try to, because once I start editing it, I start critiquing every little thing. I'm like, this fucking sucks. Why am I going to put this out? This is terrible. When I created the system to where Austin fucking switches it live and I don't have to watch it, I just add an intro and an outro. It's like, okay, this is great. I'm like, in real time, I'm gaining these skills. I'm honing this ability to communicate with somebody and get the best information I possibly can out of them. And when I'm done, I just wash my hands with it, wash my hands of it and forget about it and take, you know, whatever I remember or retain from it. I try to retain the best I possibly can, but this hard drive only has so many gigabytes in it. And I can only retain right. so much after however many hundreds of podcasts people do. I think this is one thing I actually train myself to be okay at. And I had a huge advantage. I built this podcast silently without telling anyone for six months ahead of time. Right. So I forget podcasts the number of times i watch myself to get that i I still cringe at shit i do but i desensitize myself to it everything i ever say i'm like oh god that was terrible Mm -hmm. right but now like my hand doesn't go like this i'm actively sitting there like god that that was terrible yep yep. (laughs) wow that was awful but like we're on to the next one and then maybe at the end if i have a particular cringy episode i'm like for two minutes i'm like wow you were really bad (laughs) but like when i was training myself to do this it was every stop, and I'd just be like, hand, like, Julian, you just threw away that crazy contract, and you have made the worst decision of your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I had to get yeah. myself there, but, like, it right. seems like for you, you just kind of got yourself to a system mm-hmm. somewhat early on where you were just like, okay, well, now I don't have to think about it, which seems to have worked in a different way. Which was necessary, or else yeah. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. I still don't really enjoy it, honestly. I mean, I enjoy doing the podcast, but I don't, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy the final product. Really? Mm-mm. I enjoy other. I enjoy listening to other podcasts. It's. I think it's like it's a productive. It's a productivity thing. Oh well, y- yes. Like I don't enjoy listening back, especially once I edited it. Like it's not enjoyment for me to listen back to a podcast. I was already there. You know what right. I mean? My documentaries are different. Like the documentaries are little short films. I love going back and watching. Sure, them. so much fun. Yes, I understand. This what you're is saying. not that. I would agree, and I don't make documentaries to right. be clear, but like I would agree. Whereas, actually, you know what? Way smaller example, but sometimes I will enjoy picking apart a short. Yeah, and being like, oh, what would I do different now? Mm-hmm. And I'll respect the fact that at that time I did this. Right. I won't. It won't be. That's one thing where I'm. Le- sometimes I am, but I'm less like Julian. You fucking idiot! Why'd you do it like that? Now I'm like, oh, I could do that clip again in a year, and I could do it like this. You know, like it's probably. Your documentaries are way more work and drawn out because mm-hmm. they take so long. But like, it's probably a similar attitude. Whereas the podcast, is just like, okay, we did it. Right. By the way, do you think Johnny Depp's full of shit when he said during his trial that he doesn't, he hasn't watched any of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? I didn't know he said that. They asked him about it, and he's like, "I, I haven't seen it, sir. I've never watched it. 
No, I don't. My first reaction, I could be wrong, but my first reaction is no, I don't think he's full of shit because I think Johnny Depp is a legitimate weirdo who is brilliant at what he does and he owned being a weirdo. It's what makes him great. That's why I respect him. And I think especially when I see what he knowingly has put himself through on this, mm-hmm. he knew – his lawyers told him, you know, he's a big boy. They, they thought, hey, John, you, know, you have to read all those texts. All this stuff, and I know what it's like to write stupid shit when you're upset. Mm. I have a lot of respect for that. It's not a popular thing to do. It's the harder thing to do. Yeah, he doesn't need money. Even after, even if his career is like a little hurt right now, eventually it'll be fine. Right, he's brilliant. Right, like they don't care. They right. fuck. They let Harvey Weinstein operate for twenty. Right. Years. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely Team Johnny, not Team yeah. Amber Heard. But I think he was full of shit on that one. I think he's. I could see Johnny. I, I, he might be foolish. You might be right. I could see Johnny not. I love the fact that he was doing coke with Marilyn Manson. I think that's the coolest thing ever. Hilarious. That's on my bucket list. I want to do coke with Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I swear to God, that's on my bucket list for sure. But I might be that's able. Like I might three. be able to help you on that one. Really? You know somebody? We'll talk after. I might, do be, I might be able to help you on that one. <laughs> I'm actually emailing back and forth with him right now. With Manson? Yeah. No. Yep. He's coming on my podcast. No, he's yeah, not. Yes, but he said he has to wait till the his his lawsuit's over with. And he didn't get charged. He's being sued. He's being sued by well, it's like it's a it's a what's the word for it when a couple girls sue you, a couple people sue you? Class action. Is it is it really class action? When maybe maybe yeah, multiple that, people. I guess it is class action. Yeah, it's uh Evan Rachel Wood and like one or two other girls are suing him. But Evan Rachel Wood is the one who's like really going after him. I'm watching to see if he settles. If he settled, well, he already guilty. countersued him, and he posted a link to his lawsuit, his complaint, on his Instagram. But I hope he doesn't settle. I hope he does the same thing Johnny's doing. <laughs> yeah, if, if if he, yeah, but like that, that goes a long way. It doesn't mean you're innocent, but like it goes a long way because then you have to prove it. Yeah. Like when I listen to Johnny, I believe him. I think he just. Me too. I think he just verbally tried to react to this stuff. Right. Someone took a shit on your bed. She was a cum dumpster for years for me. Like, <laughs> you know, I think you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's not like, yeah, I think that's a human thing. But I don't know. You never know. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Who like, knows? It, it's not my problem. My, th- my whole thing about my, my thing about the Marilyn Manson thing with with Evan Rachel Wood was, OK, she was like, what? She was 20 years old or 19 years old yeah. when she started dating. Yeah. You're 19 and you're dating Marilyn fucking manson he was out of his mind yeah he was like 15 years older than you and he's still marilyn manson yeah you have to know they're you're saying you have to know what you're signing up for yeah without going yeah i, I understand what you're saying like when, it, com- when it comes to sexual deviance he's at the top of the fucking food chain yeah you you know what you're getting his whole imagery is is revolves around sex and violence and which doesn't doesn't uh doesn't take away that there's things that are straight up wrong, sick and illegal. But she doesn't claim. I don't think attitude. she claimed that she was. I don't think she claimed. I don't that think she, she was raped. Either. It was. It was. A, I forget what it was. It was a few other things though. Yeah, it's like she claimed. I. Th- I. She claimed that she was like groomed or like like psychologically manipulated into doing some fucking weird sexual things with him. I don't know everything for sure, but. Either way, when it all shakes out, he's coming on the Concrete Podcast. He'll be an interesting one.
check that off the bucket list. Yeah, he's he's a character for sure. Smart Definitely, guy, dude. When he, he's a fucking smart he dude. Smart. Very smart. I've heard that. Have you watched any of his old interviews that he's done with on like Bill Maher and uh, Bill O'Reilly? He was Bill on Bill O'Reilly, Bill Maher. Fuck, dude. When he was like in his twenties, I've just heard about some how he is like off count, like off the whole deal from people who are. He was like in his twenties, quoting Freud in like an interview on MTV. You know, when they're accusing him of of Columbine shootings, all every single fucking shooting that happened was blamed on him when he was first starting his career in the 90s and going on MTV Music Awards. And they he was on Bowling for Columbine. Like, what would you say to the what would you say to the (laughs) Columbine shooters if they were here right now? And what did he say? He said, like, the best thing ever. He was like, I wouldn't say a word to them. I listened to what they had to say. And that's what no one did. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. Dude's like twenty three when he said that. Have you ever seen the Defiant Ones? Mm -mm. Oh, you're a documentary guy, a maker, and you haven't seen the. No, there's a lot of good things I haven't seen. All right, you're gonna have to watch that. That was a four part series on HBO, 2017. It's one of my favorite things ever made about the collision of Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Which commenced or it ended with their being selling beats to Apple Music, but like it started with Dre as like an up and coming rapper producer, like on the scene. Jimmy Iovine was an Italian kid from Brooklyn, like mm-hmm. getting by with the E Street Band and making music with interesting people. And it Maybe is I have ba- seen this. It is basically a history of what's been important in music over the last four decades, four or five decades, and it's really? fucking incredible. And in that. Like Interscope, they changed everything, man. Like, you think about it, they went, they were everything from Dre and Snoop to Marilyn Manson to Nine Inch Nails to Gwen Stefani to Tupac. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck. That's crazy shit. They changed the world. And not all for the best, but like also a lot of great shit. Like, nothing's all great or all bad, right? Yeah. Like, there's always, well, a couple things are, but mm-hmm. there's usually, like, nuance to it. There's, you know, there's some things that aren't positive, but there's so much, like, the brilliant things that were created there and the mentality behind the scenes of how they went about that and what the thought was and leading with the art and just saying, let them be them. Mm. Holy shit. I mm. mean, it's like, the only my only problem with that documentary is it should have been 16 parts, not four. Is that fucking unbelievable? Wow! That, and it follows Interscope. Yeah, the third part, which is about I think it's like ninety minutes, which covers like the height of the nineties of Interscope, is like it's like you. I've never done blow, but like it's got to be like ripping five lines of blow hmm. and hearing the wildest story of your life, <laughs> where they just like tell it way too fast, but it's incredible. Wow. I have seen the documentary that um, – what's the guy from 30 Second to Mars? What's his name again? Jared Leto? Yeah. The documentary he did about when he sued his Warner Music, his record label. Crazy really? documentary where he just filmed the whole lawsuit. I don't know that one. Basically exposes the whole predatory nature of record labels. There is a lot of that. 
there. I mean, it's so real. How they'll give you the advance, and then basically you end up owing them hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you're a slave to them to make new music for the rest of your career. I had famous Dylan here. <sighs> Crazy fucking. What's the name of that fucking documentary? It's called uh, Artifact. Artifact. Yeah. Yes. I had famous Dylan here twice now. I mean, who? He, he would, you know, the song Jordan Belfort. I be getting dirty money, Jordan Belfort. Mm-hmm. You know that song? No. It's been streamed hundreds of maybe billions of times. No, never heard of it. I be getting dirty money, Jordan Belfort. No, I'd have to hear it. You would know it. No, I haven't heard of them. I mean, he and Wes, who made that song, they were kids. Mm-hmm. They were fucking nineteen. They got fucked. Yeah, they got fucked. There, there's another. I won't name this person. I don't like name dropping, and this person's never been on the podcast. But there's another large name whose crew I've been around on various projects of stuff, and it's like when you hear the story, and then that one's even worse. Like when you hear about what these labels did, I mean, and it's bad. Like some of the people I know in the label industry who are amazing people, there's one guy I'm thinking of in particularly who is, you can look at his entire career, he is beloved, beloved by everyone he's ever worked with. Like when you hear people giving thank you speeches at the Grammys, they're putting him front and center. Really? Yeah. And one of the most amazing people in the history of the business, very few people know his name and that's how he likes it. True huh. artist guy. You know, he was always frank with me. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't rip a lot of people. He's a very introverted, quiet, way too humble guy, but I mean he says it without saying it, mm. you know, and he's like, mm. "Hmm, not great." Yeah, you know, there's a lot of that, unfortunately. And these people are—they're leeches. They suck everything up in yeah. front of them. And yeah, they don't give a fuck about you. Yep, where you're from, what your mom thinks—they don't care. Right. It's sad. Yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that industry lasts. It's changing. It's definitely changed a lot. I mean, a lot of those companies have gone have gone under. Yeah, I mean, Dill's been leading. He's been like leading the way. He hasn't even made a ton of music recently at all. He's just been leading the way in music NFTs. Okay, like how that's being viewed. He's such an he, that guy's so funny. He could make the most boring sentence sound like the world just flipped over. He'd <laughs> be like, "I just walked in this room, and I sat down, and I'm like, wow." So funny, man. He's I great. love that. But like, yeah, I mean, there's got it. Technology and innovation, and you know, the individual power over time. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet on it every time. Yeah, but Danny, we just we just did. I don't know how long, but it was a long time. It was fucking. It's definitely over three hours. Definitely three hours at least. You're the man. You, that was you, awesome, man. Thank you for doing this with me. I appreciate course. you inviting me up here and and uh, popping my podcast cherry. I'm being a guest podcast guest cherry. i don't know why you're not a guest on shit that makes no sense to me. i was a guest I, like you t- you asked me a big guest on yours i'm like wait you mean him dude right? you're Wrong fucking person you're fucking fascinating dude man you're super interesting to talk it. to i appreciate it. we were that was a fun podcast i had Hell a good yeah. time i enjoyed it for the weekend thank so. you for the thank you for the uh how do you pronounce the whiskey do us do it's an inside joke but yeah we're a doer's household around here not by choice. Just <laughs> Shout out, Murph. Comes, but, with, comes with the territory. When you're from Jersey, you drink doors. Anyway, tell people where they can find Concrete with a K. K-O-N-C-R-E-T-E. You just did it, brother. Concrete podcast on YouTube, Spotify. 
Everywhere. It's all. It's at K O N C R E T E. Pretty much everywhere. I'm gonna ask you an impossible question before we go. Who's the Who's your favorite person you've ever talked to on there? There is no favorite. I, I thought about this the other day. I was in the shower and I came up with a perfect answer to this because you know how many people have asked me that question and I'm I always get stumped. I don't have an answer for it myself, so it's hypocritical to ask, but I'm still asking. Julian Dory. <laughs> Good answer. Two shot. Cheers, brother. Thank you for having me. Cheers. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. All right. Keep it rolling. Let's Love go eat you... some let's go eat some Italian food. What yeah, this fucking guy loves New Jersey. Classic. <laughs> anyway. Everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace. Peace.